0: My name is John and I'm at Paint School on Instagram. I've done over $15 million in paint jobs and I'm based out of Huntington Beach, California. Aaron is at Alpha Painting on Instagram. He's managed huge commercial projects with impossible timelines, and now is a few years into building his own operation out of Branson, Missouri.
1: And you should probably check out our full process videos on YouTube because they're
0: pretty badass. Our point in doing this podcast is to put our 40 plus years of combined experience to the test. We've seen a decline in the industry, Well, I think it's a bit arrogant. I think we can change it. We're giving it a shot. Listen up and let us know what you think. This is Paint Sniffer Podcast. All right, so we're back on now. Today, we're going to get into marketing and you know, starting another location or a new location or starting your first location. Uh, There's a. I read all the time about people trying to figure out how to get work. How do I get more jobs? How do I build my company? Um, so I think we'll take take a pretty deep dive in on that today <clears throat> through a kind of couple creative channels. Um, so, but first to kind of get caught up, I talked to you a couple days ago. We're in the market for a boat, um, for a lake boat this time. So we were doing a lot of boating a while back, when it was all mostly ocean boating. And since we got the place in Big Bear, we've got a lake up here that we can use. So the boat that we're looking at is like uh, 2006. Um, And it's a sea ray, so it's technically like we can take it in the ocean if we want. It's got a head in there, but it's an open bow. So we can't go out on like a rough day or anything like that. Otherwise, we'll fucking sink. (laughs) Uh, But so we did an inspection yesterday and everything seems to be fine um there are a couple odd things one of the batteries is bad and an exhaust impeller seems like it's bad so for this kind of boat we had to have an, a mechanical inspection um as part of the purchasing agreement so we put a deposit down then we have 10 days basically to have the mechanic out he puts together um, um an inspection report and then we're then you know depending on what that comes back as we can continue the deal or stop Um, so but with the impeller he's like it's a relatively easy fix but it's in a bad spot on the engine so it's going to be tough to get to and then he said and it's not you know i won't know 100 percent until i get into it it might be something else which is like kind of the dreaded thing you don't really want to hear it might be something else because then once he digs into it it's like all right well you can't stop now you know you just keep going um you bought a boat was it last year or the year before
1: i think it was a year before or the beginning of last year i think it was a year before yeah mm-hmm.
0: and you said you're you're into your second mechanic right now yeah yeah
1: that's <laughs> yeah good luck with that shit <laughs> I think boat mechanics might even be more crooks than regular mechanics. I'm not, I'm not sure I haven't, I don't have much experience with it, but the, I mean, I guess the positive thing is that the, you know, if you have an inboard motor, we have an, uh, an inboard outboard. So the, the motor's inboard and then the, the prop is outboard. So, but it's like an old, it's like an old truck engine. You know what I mean? Like there's more cruisers and shit. So. You know, they're they're carbureted engines, so I mean it it looks more familiar to me than a, a modern day truck engine. So yeah. Like, you know, I can change alternators and belts and do all that kind of shit without feeling completely foreign, but Yeah. Yeah, I dude I've it's a fucking nightmare, in all honesty. <laughs> like you know, we got it I think initially we got the boat and then I think right off the you know, there was like a leak and and right off the bat we had to have the seals replaced around the motor, which was like three grand. And <laughs> then, and then, uh, after the seals were replaced, cause the people that the, the mechanic we were using didn't do major work like that. He just does like maintenance and small stuff, mm-hmm. you know, changing the prop or tuning it up or getting it mm-hmm. dialed in kind of shit or alternator or whatever. But, uh, We had a a shop that does, like, full engine replacements and stuff like that do that. So, I mean, in order to replace the seals, you pretty much have to take the engine out and stuff. Yeah. And when they did that, they obviously left a bunch of gunk and bullshit um, in the motor compartment because we were at a parade and everyone was supposed to be at idle speed and and everyone kind of geared up to, like, I don't know, fucking... Probably, you know, eight miles an hour or so, mm-hmm. and it just created like a bunch of chop. And I had a bunch of people on the boat, and um, I had a big wake that came over the the front of the boat, mm-hmm. and we took on a shit ton of water. It killed the engine. I couldn't get it to restart because it caused the starter to go out. All that water in there, and then uh, turns out that you know I didn't find this out till later, but the sub or the, uh, the bilge pump wasn't working because the guys that replaced the seals just allowed a bunch of shit to get, get inside of it. So I barely I barely made it into a cove and, you know, got out of the wash and stuff bef- before we sunk or whatever and, and lost power. <laughs> and then it was like $700 to fucking have SeaToe come bilge the boat out and then tow us back to the dock. And... Uh, now, like the 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 previous mechanic, like you know, I took it in. I think to to dewinterize it and and have them ch- check the the bilge pump, and I ended up ordering a starter because the starter wasn't working, and then I replaced the starter myself, and then we went to go put it in the water, thinking that it was going to be running, and it wouldn't even turn over, hmm. and. Uh, I just, you know, prior to that too, like he was, he billed me like almost 500 bucks and said he did a full tune up. And then, um, I got pissed off and asked him, you know, I wanted receipts or proof of what he did and he couldn't provide that, you know? And he was like, well, I I don't know. It wasn't a tune-up. I I don't know what I did. And he said he didn't have his records and he was lying about something. He was just billing me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I got pissed and we started taking it to another place, but it has not been put in the water. Um, I had the, the battery kept dying, you know, and Um, the boat was drawing power from somewhere, even with all the gauges off and the ignition off. So we had a like a like a dead man switch put in it to where it just cuts all power to the battery off. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we I dude, I've been so busy, I haven't even gotten a chance to put it in the water yet to see if these new guys are full of shit too. So,
0: yeah, that's fun. Yeah, well, up here we're gonna keep it in the water for the summer. So the there's a couple marinas here where we can leave it on a slip. Um, but I don't know what the repairs are gonna be. It's looking like we're probably gonna buy it. Um, it looks like everything is good enough. Um, it's a nice boat. It's got a head on it, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a nice setup, but yeah. so we'll have to get it repaired down there, uh, down the hill. I'll tow it up here and then we'll put it in the water and then just let it sit there all summer.
1: There's been... So, like, I'm on my second boat, and it's it's about every time between both boats that we've taken them out that something bad happens. You know, like, oh, hey, your water pump went out, and it's fucking throwing you know one of the pulleys to the side and then burning your belt off and you're just barely gonna make it back to the dock or yeah you know what i mean like or hey it turns out you're taking on water and your bilge pump doesn't work or yeah hey your starter just went out or you know what i mean it's always fucking something dude
0: yeah and that's and uh did, yeah that's now what i heard
1: yeah now i go out with like a i, I take a paddle i take a socket <laughs> A socket set and wrenches and fucking starter fluid and there's all kinds of shit in my boat so like i can just you know hopefully get us get us back to the dock or something but that uh i haven't renewed my seato um i guess it's technically a subscription or whatever yeah what what is it like a? it's like a membership or whatever but yeah yeah don't go out on the lake if you plan on getting that shit, because you'll pay like, I think it's between like four and $700 to get towed in the first time. And then you're like, Hey,
0: you're magically a member now. Yeah.
1: But the, I think if you pay for it in advance, it's like a hundred bucks a year or something.
0: Yeah. So that's, um, most of the boating I've done, uh, has been on the ocean. And so we were originally looking at an ocean boat, um, <clears throat> which is like fucking way more expensive. uh. But that was the same deal with that as get sea tow, because I think for ocean it was like 150 or 200 bucks for the, for the year, the lake version, I think is a hundred bucks. Yeah. Um. But I had a friend who they went out to Catalina to go fishing and had to get towed from Catalina to Newport, which is a pretty good distance, you know, a couple yeah. hours. Yeah. And I think they pay like twenty eight hundred bucks or something. Oh like fuck,
1: that. dude! <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. crazy. I think Sito is like nationwide. I think, and it, yeah. it goes from from ocean to lakes and stuff.
0: Yeah, I don't know how in the world they do that um, for a hundred bucks, but I guess maybe they assume you're not going to. Maybe a lot of people don't break down or don't need a tow ever. Yeah.
1: Well, if they get thousands of dollars in memberships, then that probably just. Yeah
0: offsets the handful of times they got to pick someone up
1: yeah and then whatever you know there's probably only a a couple guys or a few guys on a lake or something and they Mm -hmm. all those memberships pay for their wages or something i guess yeah and then all the you know the thousands of people that don't have CETO and they get charged seven hundred bucks yeah
0: (laughs) yeah yeah so that's uh I mean, we have till June tenth to make a decision, which I think is like two days. Yeah, two days. So, um, but that'll be happening. Uh, the other thing down here that a problem is is um getting a mechanic in any kind of timely manner. Like everything right now, this guy that we used to, for our inspection is a friend of a friend, and he has a shop in Dana Point, but he's like, you know, I'm like ten or eleven weeks out. So I'm like, fuck, we're going to buy a boat and then not be able to use it for two and a half months, three months. We're going to lose the whole season. Dude, I
1: I live in a tourist town and like shit used to shut down in the winter and, you know, now it seems like things just stay moving. But like back in the day, dude, it would just be construction workers on the road, you know, Mm -hmm. guys going to job sites and stuff and, you know, people working their jobs. So it was pretty much like a ghost town in the winter. And now, dude, it's like it, it just doesn't stop or whatever. And then in the summer, like it's like either since COVID, like everybody, like, I don't know, like everyone's out and about trying to do shit. And then, then like we're a rural area. So we've had, you know, a bunch of people move here and it's just, dude, like you can't even go get something to fucking eat without waiting in a line or. Or yeah. trying to go to a restaurant and the parking lot's full and it's a fucking nightmare dude.
0: That's crazy. I don't know
1: how how California is, but it this place is it's been totally transformed since the pandemic.
0: Well, it's always been busy in Orange County. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it gets crazy in the summertime. So as soon as the weather gets nice, like the beach is packed. <clears throat> you know, cuz everybody comes from inland to the beach. And Huntington Beach has a nice nice beach, lots of sand um, and then around any of the the summer holidays we're always slammed. We have the. US open of surfing which happens end of July beginning of August for a week. so we yeah. get super crowded then um, I mean it's to a point where like you know we want to leave town during the busy times because it's so fucking crowded. Uh, and then up in big bear it's basically just winter time winter time is is fucked you're like speaking of, you know, speaking of
1: surfing i yeah. i was surfing uh churches uh do you do you know where that is out by san Onofre? yeah and uh i i would surf churches cuz it was more of a hollow break and my dad would surf uh san Onofre. and mm-hmm. i i paddled out i was paddling out on a short board at san Onofre just Try, You know, I was going to see if I could take off on anything, but the, you know, you, it's usually hard to surf on a short because the waves are so mushy, yeah. but I got, I got snaked by Kelly Slater.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Seriously. Like he was, he was there on a fucking longboard, like tearing shit up. I don't know if he mm-hmm. was like taking a, a school of kids out or something, but there's a bunch of kids, but yeah, I was, I was paddling. I was trying to take off and the dude fucking snaked me and fucking <laughs> totally stole my fucking wave. <laughs>
0: Claim the fame. <laughs> I had a, I used to surf a lot, like every day for a few years. And um, I had maybe two times where I thought I was going to die out there. I thought I was yeah. going to drown. <laughs> and one time, uh, my wife was out. She was on the beach. I don't remember if we were married at the time. But she was on the beach, like reading magazines and shit. And I was out uh, pretty close to the pier. And it was a pretty... You know, it was like six to eight foot waves. And I don't, I, I'm good with like three or four feet, maybe like, you know, the random five or six footer that comes in, but six to eight feet, that's too big of a day for me. So yeah, So I was out there and the tide in Huntington is really strong. You know, it's like through Huntington and parts of Newport, like people get sucked out all the time. Lots of people yeah. drown out there because of the, the riptide. Um,
1: dude, I dr- I drifted like fucking at least half a mile in like 10 minutes in Newport. Oh, quick.
0: Yeah. Super yeah. fast. That happens really fast. Um, so I was out there and this set of, of big waves came in and so I paddled out towards them, you know, so I didn't take it on the head and I got under the first one. All right. And then there's another one coming out further out, fucking keep paddling. And so I get out past the waves and nothing crashes on me. Um, but then I'm like fucking real tired, you know, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to head in, (laughs) you know, like I'm, I'm done for the day. And so I start paddling in and another set comes in. So I turn around, you know, duck dive under one fucking turn around, try to go back in towards shore. Another one comes in. So I'm like going back and forth, like three or four waves, you know, I'm just like smoked at this point and the waves aren't really letting up. And I was so close to like asking someone to help me get in, <laughs> but I was like, I can't, I can't fucking do that. <laughs> like, How old were you? Oh, dude, I was like 23, 22, something oh, like that. Yeah. And dude, um, we,
1: we paddled out in some gnarly shit when we were kids, you know, Yeah, like yeah. fucking 11, 12, 13 years old and shit. Like, yeah. It, and it, I don't want to tell fish stories and shit, but there was there was one day we were headed to fucking Surfside, and uh, it, we we were going to go body surfing at the Seal Beach Pier,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we as we were driving over the bridge, you could see it fucking cloud breaking and shit. Yeah, we get there, there's all kinds of photographers there and shit, and we're like, you know, that so fucking uh seal beach and the wedge, like we didn't surf that shit because if we broke our boards, dude, we, you know, I didn't have money to buy a fucking board. You know what I'm saying? So we never, we never surf that shit. We just play around and body surf, but yeah, dude, we, we swam out and like, it was fucking huge, dude. Like, and it just, it just kept getting bigger and it got so big that I couldn't get back in. Yeah. And like, I'm talking when, when shit, broke and it washed up onto the shore like knee-high water like we're trying to make it out and it just as the wash starts to go back out it throws you off you your out. feet and sucks you back out dude yeah, yeah it was fucking big dude there was some dude there surfing it once we finally got in and like he was taken off on shit and he'd have his his hands straight up and it was like fucking double yeah. overhead
0: yeah
1: and then uh like in terms of surfing big shit there was there was once in Huntington, like, we, we didn't even check the fucking surf report. We just went one day, mm-hmm. and it was fucking, it was just, like, perfect barrels on the north side of the pier. Yeah, That was a big day. And then Newport, we went out one day, and it was, like, scary fucking big, dude. Like, I went out with my buddy and his uncle, and this, this dude, you know, like, we're kids, like, 13 years old. This dude's, like, a fucking 30-something-year-old grown man, and we paddle out. And I took off on one fucking wave. I made my bottom, my I made my bottom turn, and I I got scared. I went back up and I launched off the fucking top, and I paddled back out to the lineup. Yeah. And like I'm I'm out there just watching guys take off on shit, and I look towards the beach, and his uncle's on the beach, like waving us to come in because he didn't want to be out there anymore, you know. Yeah. So I I took off on the next one and fucking it closed out. So I went straight or whatever, but yeah, I took off on two fucking enormous fucking waves, dude. And, and fucking, that was like some like butthole puckering. Shit, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? There was, there was another time we surfed in Huntington where like, we were scared to fucking death and there was dudes, we were, we were paddling out and we were watching dudes like instead of duck diving, you know, cause shit was that you know prior to making it out to the lineup and shit was breaking in front of everybody dudes were like standing Um, on their boards and like jumping and diving into the water and shit
0: yep (laughs) so that was like uh you know when i would go out on big day or bigger days um yeah if you're out there and someone's gonna land on your head like that's what i would do too is fucking stand up and like jump up and go down as far as you can just to not get crushed yeah yeah uh the wedge is crazy here um it's not that often yeah. but like you get like 15 to I don't, 15 feet plus but it's a yeah it breaks on sand like there's yeah. all the water sucks out of the bottom and into the wave so there's literally like a foot of water beneath you so if you fucking crash you're going right on the sand usually it's just body borders out there when it gets like that yeah that's crazy we would, crazy we would go see. fuck
1: around there and body surf you know Yeah. And it's just fun to just fucking swim into something and just get tore up, you know? Yeah. I never went to the wedge when it was, like, any bigger than, like, fucking, you know, eight foot or so. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I'm uh, in Newport, so you can go between the jetties where it stays pretty controlled and the current isn't very strong. But I like, you know, three or four foot waves. I could ride those all day. That's fun for me. Anything bigger than that, I just get scared. I don't want to drown. I
1: was in North Carolina, was it last year? And I rented a fucking longboard. And, dude, I couldn't even fucking paddle out. I don't know if it was just uh, the fact that I haven't been in the gym for two years, or it was just like a wash. Like, there was nothing really rideable, but I was at, you know, there was a few things breaking here and there, but I couldn't even make it out to the fucking lineup, dude. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, if you would call it that, but, yeah. Yeah, is bad. If I paddled yeah. out right now, I would probably drown.
0: Yeah, Dude, we <laughs> we did a uh, a trip to I don't remember if it's in Cabo San Lucas or Cancun. Um, and we did like one of these surfing excursions or whatever. You know, you're at the yeah. hotel and you can go surfing for the day. Yeah, I don't remember where it was, but we went out surfing just longboards, and um, you know, there's like six or seven people in the group or whatever. And when we we're getting ready to go out, the there was like two guys kind of leading the thing. And um, they're like, no matter what you do, just don't put your feet down. Like, don't put your feet down on the ground at all. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? Why not? He's like, there's a lot of coral in here. There's rocks. There's trash. <laughs> like, just do not put your feet down no matter what. If you So then you're like scared to shit to, to fall. You know, it's like, well, I'm not too worried about my feet hitting something.
1: You ever surf the warm water jetties in uh, in Surfside? No, there's like a, a couple warm water jetties, like in the winter, like you can almost trunk it. But uh, the shitty thing about it, I mean, and it only really works when the when the surf is like really big, you know, because yeah. it it comes in <clears throat> there mushy. Mm-hmm. But uh, we would go there and surf, dude, and you're like in fucking waist deep water. So when you're sitting on your board your feet can touch, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But when, when the waves come through, they, they come in mushy, but they're fucking huge, you know? Yeah. But when you're sitting there on your board, dude, your feet can touch the sand and you can feel shit like swimming by you. And it's, it's not, it's not a fucking ideal fucking thing in my opinion, but
0: yeah. Hmm. That's fun. Yeah. We're going to see, uh, this boat we're getting is, Fast enough and powerful enough to do wakeboarding, uh, in the lake. So we'll see if we can, uh, get that going with the kids.
1: Dude, I want to wake surf so bad. Um, I mean, whatever we have wakeboards and shit that the, the, th- the thing about wakeboarding is if your ropes on the water, dude, it's not, it's not much fucking fun. So like you got to have a tower Yeah. that way you can at least jump wake to wake. Cause that's really the only fun that you can fucking have. Now, dude, check into to a wake skate. Like, if if you don't have a wake tower, a wake skate is so much fucking fun because it's maneuverable on the water. You're not binded in. Like, if you wanted to fuck around and do like pop it and shit, but you can literally take the board and just the way it glides through the water. Like with a with a wake board. Uh, if you come from like surfing or skating, mm-hmm. um, a wake or or even snowboarding like a wakeboard it will fucking dig in dude and you'll get slammed face first or yeah, is that different than go... a
0: than a wake surfboard?
1: Uh yes, but a wake, a wake skate is if you don't if you don't have a tower dude a wake skate you can like I said you're not binded but mm-hmm. you can go up and like tail slide the fucking wake and it feels yeah. comfortable or board slide the wake and Right and it feels comfortable. I haven't ever gotten a wake surf because you need like a $300,000 boat to do that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I put up a pretty big wake.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And now I've thought about doing it hillbilly style and like getting a cage (laughs) for for the prop. Yeah. You can get a cage, like get a cage installed around your prop. You're not supposed to do it with any fucking outboard fucking props. Yeah. because a wakeboard boat, you know, the props like, Mm -hmm. like rear center, but, uh, and then you can install like a fin on the on the side of a boat and it will create a wake with like suction cups and shit. Yeah. But the danger is in fucking getting sucked into the wash.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty good <laughs> danger.
1: <laughs> yeah. But dude, oh fuck, it sucks how much it costs to have a badass wake surfing boat. Cause you have oh, to be expensive you have to fil- as fuck yeah dude you got to fill the boat up with like they have chambers where you take on water so the fucking weighs the rear of the boat down and then they have like electric props where you can switch you know what side the wake's going to be strong on and shit like that i mean it i mean a a wake surfing boat is technically that can be the same as a wakeboarding boat but yeah they make specialized wake surfing boats but yeah Wait. Yeah, I mean like they're like 120, 140, was... 140
0: grand these days.
1: Yeah. Yeah, if it, I mean yeah, dude, like a decent one is 200. I'd hate to see what they are right now. They probably at least 250, dude. It's crazy. But we used to we used to uh wakeboard quite a bit. Um the hardest part figuring out like if you're a surfer or skater is just the fucking getting out of the water and then it sucks. It sucks you're, you know, being pulled from a rope, you know what I mean? Yeah. So really the only Yeah, just thing popping that you can
0: up. Do... Yeah, popping yeah. up is the weird part. And if the boat's not quick enough or strong enough, good luck.
1: Yeah. But if you wanna, you know, if you don't have a a, a fucking tower, dude, I'd recommend getting a wake skate because you'll have way more fun with that than a wakeboard. Yeah, And even if you want to get to the stage to where you want to jump wake to wake, you can do it. You just have to, you know, it's like fucking ollieing. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. You're not
1: binded in. So you'll either have to grab the board or you'll have to, you know, ollie and then slowly push it
0: back down. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. I've never even heard of those. All right. Um, Okay. Marketing. So I read a lot of um, posts and comments and stuff like that about people trying to grow their companies or they're just starting out, how do they get more in business? Um, kind of across the board. Uh, and It seems like right now, it's interesting right now because in some markets, things are like gangbusters still. And then some people are like, my calls fucking dropped off a cliff, you know? Um, your market's pretty busy right now still, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mine is probably average or a little below average. So we're still plenty busy and plenty of phone calls coming in, but it's definitely a little different than it has been the last couple of years.
1: I feel like, so I feel like as soon as the holidays hit, the phone calls stopped, you know? Mm-hmm. So they, they, and that's usually the way it is. It usually stops, um, you know, a, a couple of weeks or a few weeks before Christmas, and yeah. then, you know, not until after New Year's and stuff do you, you know, the, the phone calls start rolling back in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I feel like it, it did that uh, from the transition of last year into this year. And then it's, it's slowly been trickling. But um, there's some weeks where, you know, I'll get, and it's weird how it happens, dude. Like I'll get fucking four or five phone calls a day or I won't get any at all, you know, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, every once in a while I'll get, you know, a couple phone calls every other day, but it's, it's been consistent, but not crazy, crazy. Like, like so many phone calls, I can't even field them like last year. Right. Yeah. So it is, it is slowing down.
0: Yeah. And there's a difference in how you manage your numbers. So like if you recorded everything very precisely, you would see more patterns. because. So here's one problem a lot of people do is they go based off of how it feels. Um, yeah. So it's like, you know, it feels a little slower right now than it has been lately. And instead of like, well, if you look at the numbers, it's actually the same amount of phone calls as it was this time last year. You know, my estimator, yeah. my salesperson will say, hey, I don't have that many appointments on the schedule next week. What's going on? You know, and I'll go back to this, to that week last year. Cause we have everything recorded. So I'll check, you know, April 15th from 2021. And I'll be like, we actually have two more appointments this year than we did last year this week, you know, it'll fucking. So now he knows that I'm just going to do that. So now he'll be like, next week seems a little light. Can you see what we did last year? You know, I'm fucking yeah. check it and say, no, it's right on track. Um, so since we do track that information pretty closely, we know like very specifically when things are off. And so the last two years have been different than the previous six years. You know, that's how long we have like really good data. And so the last two years were the anomaly. You know, it was like nothing fit the the typical, um, uh, I don't know, data that we were showing Prior to that, so the last two years, usually we have January, February, March are the slowest months of the year for us. Uh, And then as soon as taxes are done, like April 15th on the date, on the dot, from then through uh, basically New Year's Day, we're just slammed the whole year. Like can't keep up with phone calls, um, slammed all year. So the last two years, we didn't have any drop down in the January, February, March. It was like our busiest January, February, March ever. Um, I guess more so for 2021, 2020 got weird because it was like the beginning of COVID and all that. But 2021, no drop off at all, stayed super busy all year long, um, including the beginning of the year and the end of the year. And then this year we had a little bit of our normal drop off for February, March, but also April was lower than what it normally is and lower than what it normally is going back to pre COVID times. So it was like extra low. Now for May and June, they've been pretty average. Um, Not bad, not great, but we're, you know, it's definitely down from last year, you know, when everything was like blowing up. So The, you know, we had talked a little bit about, um, how you're, you're growing your business or how you're starting your business. And I mean, why don't you explain a little bit of how, how you're kind of moving about, right? Like you're year one in business, buying equipment, how you're getting jobs, that kind of thing.
1: Um, let's see. So I. Had my, I, I did my first job, um, you know, just kind of like a tinkering kind of thing. And then I decided, how, how did was, you get it? I, it was just like through, through a, f- a friend, like my old mm-hmm. lady's friend. And that yeah. wasn't what had, um, you know, the deciding factor, the deciding factor was I was working for a, for an industrial company and I I already told the story or whatever. Um, yeah. I decided I was going to be done mm-hmm. and I was going to go into business for myself. Um, so I, I think the biggest thing for me was uh my old lady was working. You know what I mean? So it mm-hmm. allowed me, you know, and she's making decent money. So it allowed me to take risk. Yeah. And that was what always stopped me in the past was um, in the relationship that I was in, I was, you know, you know, we had two kids and she didn't have a career and didn't yeah. work very much, but every once in a while. So I was consumed with work. Um, mm-hmm. and it was always too much of a risk to go into business for myself. I did it like experimentally for a couple years, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but when I slowed down, I got nervous and I was like, you know, can take zero risk. So I went to work for somebody. Um, and that was the last four years that I spent restructuring that company. But, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, with my, with my old ladies, you know, with my old lady working, it just allowed me to take risks. So I didn't have to, you know, if I didn't do good right in the beginning, then it didn't matter. So I think my first year I did, it was my first six months. I did like, what was it? It was like $17,000 was my first half year. I I think Mm -hmm. I did that really in like a four month period. And then my first full year was, I think it was, I I think I almost, I think I was like 80 something thousand. And then my second year, um, like 120,000. And then third year, like breaking 200,000. You know what I mean?
0: Yep.
1: Um, so it's been slowly, slowly growing. But like, from my perspective, it's been balls to the wall. Because when I started, you know, I got a couple jobs here and there. And then um, that first job that I got was uh, my, my old lady's friend. And then I went and I started trying to like rebuild my relationship at the paint store because, uh, the manager there at the time was a fucking bitch and I couldn't stand her. And we, we get, we did not get along. So like what, what would happen is like, I'd ask, Hey, like what she didn't like me. So I'd be like, Hey, wh- why don't you guys sell these brushes anymore? Well, can, can you look, you know? And she'd be like, oh, always looking for, for shit that doesn't exist. And, you know, so then I, I made it my thing to where the only things that I would buy there is shit that she would have to investigate (laughs) and how to get, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So once she was gone and new management was, was in, then it was super easy to, to kind of rebuild a relationship with, with a new manager and then slowly kind of, you know, show them what we do. And then eventually, you know, come the come the second year I'm in business, like we're the first card that's handed out, you know? So that I think primarily was my main source of revenue or or main source of, of job leads was through the paint store and then slowly working up through word of mouth. Now, Mm -hmm. while all that shit was going on, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, fucking Google, uh, google thing it took me about a year to start generating you know cold calls and stuff which i you know the investigation i put into that or or you know how i view it mentally when i when i pour over it is a fact that i um i made it a priority to you know i noticed there's like a, you know 20 30 fucking paint paint companies or whatever and like Mm-hmm. they would be at the top of the list with zero reviews or, you know, you'd yeah. have somebody that had shitty reviews, but you could see that he ran like he paid for it. So he was at the top of the list. Right. So the way I did it was I, uh, you know, I, I didn't give a shit if I fucking lost money on a job. Like I was going to do a good job, bust my ass um, and try my hardest to get reviews. So I think I'm, I'm approaching 20 reviews or whatever. Cause it is kind of fucking, it is kind of hard to get people to do that, but 20 good reviews. And I've noticed that <clears throat> I think, uh, I don't know when I, I'll get notifications like, Hey, you've received, you know, uh, however many thousands of people that have looked at your Google account or whatever this mm-hmm. month. And, yeah. so people are looking at it you know i get cold calls off of it and i think the main thing and, and a lot of it too like with the google i don't think the google listing will get you by if you're trying to do like high priced quality work because i think instinctually people will see oh hey he's at the top of the list you know maybe they'll scroll scroll around and see some stars and they'll scroll back up to you and call you but a lot of the people that call that fucking number are people that really, you know, Hey, this guy has good reviews. I want that, but they're actually the people that are looking for a cheap painter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a lot of the phone calls I get from Google from what I can tell. And then, um, Facebook really, I I don't know if it does much for me, man. I, I think it's primarily word of mouth and having a relationship at the paint store and, you know, maybe a little bit Google and stuff. And then, uh, yeah dude like i don't i don't fucking know um can
0: well, you repeat the i mean question? so that's that's uh <laughs> enough though right i mean that so I started my company very in a very similar way where it was like you know i had um phone book ads you know back then um yeah and i you know I was spending like forty bucks a month or sixty bucks a month to run two ads, two locations or two um different phone books. And and then it was like word of mouth referrals um you know that made up the majority of it but like my first year in business I did like 45 grand. You know, my second year was like 80 85. Third year was like 150. I pretty much doubled business every year for a while, you know, until I got into the yeah. millions. Um and so I You know, you had asked me earlier if um, that was a good route, and I think that that's the most stable route you can have. You know, that's where you're never going to go backwards from with your sales going at it that way, unless you start fucking things up, right? If you start like doing shitty work, not returning phone calls, like if you start letting things go, it's going to go away.
1: I think. uh, I mean, some of the other shit that I'd done too was. You know, I I went and I did volunteer work at the Y and, you know, people saw that or they would run like, uh, hey, look at what, you know, Alpha Painting did or blah, blah, blah.
0: Yeah.
1: And then I would um, even even dealing with general contractors, like knowing I I wasn't going to deal with it, I would still go bid everything that way. Like, I don't know if it works, but in the back of my head, I'm thinking mind share like my name is at the very yeah. least getting out there you know um you know uh advertising on the truck and like yard signs where I can and just mind share because what i'm thinking from the beginning is like i know it's going to be rough but eventually people you know the word will start to spread and and yeah. you know even subconsciously somebody may you know and the videos like somebody might have seen a video I might pop into their head first oh hey you know like somebody saw the you know an awesome video that was well produced and they might drop oh I know a painter alpha painting you know what I mean I've gotten some phone calls like that you know so I I think I just did everything that I could think of that I could possibly that was in my my control you know what I mean that I Mm can think of short of what I did last time that I tried to go in business of myself, which was walking door to door and handing out flyers. Yeah. You know, I yeah. haven't done anything like that.
0: That would work. You know, if you go door to door and pass out flyers, it's, it's kind of shitty work, you know, yeah. cause you're, I mean, all day you're hoping you get one lead out of it, but yeah, that's um, what I did the first time, dude. I would, I would,
1: I would, I'd go park outside of a neighborhood. I'd walk around, I'd knock doors, I'd hand out flyers. I'd drive to businesses and go inside and talk to the managers and explain to them that their buildings rotting from the outside in and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So look, there's a million ways to do like guerrilla marketing like that. Right. I mean, I used to have, um, so there were certain neighborhoods when I was starting out that were like really nice neighborhoods. You know that people have money to spend on maintenance and stuff like that. And I would go through a neighborhood if I was like slow and I would write down an address, what they need done that's obvious from the front of the house. And then I would, I would mail them an estimate, yeah. you know, and just say, hey, we're doing work in the neighborhood. I noticed your shutters uh, and front door could use a new coat. Here's what it would cost them to do them. You know, and I would just yeah. go through a neighborhood, write down an address, um, quick notes on it, and then when I got back, I'd mail out all those estimates. You know, um, and that would like always get me jobs. You know, it was like a pretty good average on that. Um, I don't remember exactly what my percentages were; I wasn't tracking it, but anytime I needed work, I could do that. You know, and it would like guarantee get me something going. Um, and so. There's a lot of stuff like that where if I just, if I were trying to like maximize sales, no matter what, um, I would have somebody knocking on doors or at least doing door to door flyer distribution. Um, like there's so many avenues that I don't use right now that I know would work. You know, when we paint a house in a neighborhood, the best practice would be to flyer up that neighborhood. You know, but do like a custom flyer, like, Hey, we just finished your neighbor's house at blah, 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 you know, yeah. street name. Um, take yeah, a look at a our idea. work, take a look at our work. Every single neighborhood pass out a hundred flyers, yeah. you know, um, you know, hey, we do like that 500 jobs a, a year. Hey, we just
1: painted your neighbor's house, you know, give us a call when, you know, you need yeah. this or that.
0: Yeah. Take a look at it when you drive by, give us a call if you need any painting done.
1: So you I've, know? I've, uh, I don't know if I'm lucky or if I've just busted my ass really hard in the last three years, but, you know, talking about all the shit that, you know, I've done, you know, like like I said, whether it was volunteer work or, um, word of mouth or Google, you know, like I said, which I feel like took about a year or, you know, establishing a relationship with the paint store and making sure that they're handing my cards out, um because I have other paint stores that don't have my cards out so I don't buy their yeah. fucking paint. Um yeah. but uh so I'm not sure what all is working but I've essentially I haven't had to do you know any footwork like in terms of handing out flyers like I have in the past but yeah um uh you know and the, the biggest load that I've dumped into um is is uh, video editing. Like I've obsessively tried to teach myself how to do that. But, you know, mm-hmm. I've spent thousands of dollars on equipment and video video editing software and have just sit there and grinded trying to do that. So, and then um, in terms of like the psychology of, of how I write my estimates and how I talk to a homeowner when I'm on a job to close the cell um, and all that stuff. Um, so essentially I'm to the stage now, whatever the fuck that I've done, like the phone calls come to me, I'm not out there looking for shit. You know what I mean? I, am actually turning down most everything.
0: So the videos and the way you, uh, put together your proposals and the way that you communicate on, you know, during an estimate, um, that's going to help you have higher, higher close rates, but that's not necessarily going to generate more, more phone calls. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think we're still planning on doing like a, a pretty in-depth podcast on that sales process, how we handle it, um, the psychology behind it, the methods or reasons why you write it a certain way. And we write our estimates in a pretty similar way. Um, but the things that are getting you the phone calls is like being a reliable person. So if it, it's the same for us. We have uh, Dunn Edwards as our main supplier here. And we have a main two main stores, basically, that we buy all of our products out of, you know, and one of them is more main than the other. Um, you know, so we spend $250,000 a year through these two stores, basically, um, and they take care of us, you know? And it's like, if I said, hey, guys, I need you to, you know, get me some projects, we're slowing down or something, they're going to be handing out our cards and all that. Yeah. Um, they know that I'm not a cheap guy. So like we don't buy cheap products, you know, there's like a lot of painting companies that go there and they buy the lower grade products all the time, you know, and they know that we don't ever, right? Like there's some of the lower grade products we've never bought, you know, <laughs> we are just never going to, we don't want to use it. Right. Um, But making those contacts and then like standing behind it, you know, like being somebody that can get a referral, you know, cause like I, I've, I mean, maybe one or two people that I would refer out to a client out of a thousand that I've met over the years, you know, like almost, I would, I would refer almost nobody, <laughs> you know, um, because people are not reliable. So yeah. if you could, everybody wants to be able to refer someone out. Everybody wants to know people, you know, I, I would like to be a guy that knows everybody and it's like, Hey, call this person for that. Call that person for this. But so many people are so unreliable. It's like, I, if I give a referral out, it's like, I know they can do good work. I know they, they will stand behind it, but I don't know if they're going to return phone calls. I don't know if they're going to show up on time. You know, I know the guy's yeah. a good person, but as far as business practices, I don't know. You know, you just have to see.
1: In terms of this subject, like I am, I am fucking so overwhelmed with. You know, like estimating and writing proposals and fucking being in the field and video editing and family stuff that I, I fucking, dude, I, that's one of my biggest downfalls right now is I'll get lost and uh, I'll forget about returning yeah. a phone call or, oh, fuck, I didn't yeah. submit that estimate. So, yeah, like I really need to tighten my shit up on that.
0: That was one thing I never had a problem with and I, I don't know why. I think I always had a place where if that if that thing is important, it needs to go in this place. You know, and for yeah. me it's always been my calendar. If it goes on my calendar, I won't forget it ever. Um, some
1: of them some of them I I don't have as much uh motivation to bid them because I know that I'm being yeah. used to justify a cheaper price. You know yeah. what I mean? And I kind of get pissed off with it and I don't prioritize it.
0: I've had plenty of estimates. Yeah, like that, where I didn't send them out on time, or I just, I usually don't give an exact date on when the estimate's going to be sent. I'll say within a couple of days. Um, But I've definitely had estimates that I did not send out in a timely manner until they called me, you know, and said, hey, I haven't received the estimate yet. Um, But I'm talking about things that I can't forget. Right, if it's like I have an appointment for an estimate on Thursday at one PM, I don't ever miss What type you know? what
1: type of uh system do you use for like all your reminders and shit like that? Because I am fucking terrible with it. What I what I do is I get I get a phone call, I'll pull up the notepad on my phone, I'll take down mm-hmm. their name, their number, um, their uh email address, their physical address for the job location, and then a brief description of what they want. And then I'll put a little notation. Um, You know, I'll put a notation in the notepad that says uh, uh, need to bid. And then once I go look at the job, I'll change it to need to write. And then uh, once I have submitted, I'll change it to submitted. And, you know, during that process too, like, uh, oh hey, you know, I'm gonna go meet them on, you know, Monday the fifth or whatever, I'll I'll put it in my calendar to where um Siri is supposed to remind me. <laughs> and <laughs> there's been times where Siri didn't fucking remind me. You know what I mean? Like yeah. so- I pissed off a, a general contractor that way one time, but I would have I would have been too expensive for him anyway, but do just, you, um,
0: use the Google calendar?
1: No, I use the, I think like it's the Apple. Yeah. 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 The Apple
0: calendar, I
1: think it is.
0: So Google calendar is more compatible with everything else. Um, and then we had talked about, um, a CRM system. You don't use the CRM, um, customer relationship management, uh, system. And, so that would be a place where, when you get a new lead, you would enter that lead information there—the name, the phone number, email address, description of what they want done. You would also set this appointment there. So you click in a day and time for that appointment, and then you click, you know, save, and they get an automatic reminder: "Hey, this is so and so Alpha Painting, uh, just confirming our appointment for, you know, uh, June twenty-fifth at one p.m." right? So they get automatic notification and automatically pops on your calendar as an appointment time. Um, you know, then you go do the appointment, you come home, you write up the estimate, um, you send the estimate, uh, and then depending on what kind of system you have, it might send follow-up emails like, Hey, we just sent your estimate yesterday. I just want to see if you have any questions, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, that would
1: be, I could probably, that would be an easy job if that was my only job, you know, and I'm not, right. and I'm not in the field anymore and uh-huh. I can, that's my job is to 100% focus on that. But I've had to teach myself sales. Um. Yeah. I don't know if I'm teaching myself marketing, but I know for a fact, you know, I've, I've taught myself how to, you know, the psychology of estimating. I know I've yeah. taught myself how to sell a job. Um, yeah. I don't know if I'm marketing correctly, but you know, if that was my job, dude, I could fucking really hone in like the fucking, you know, 27 years I've been in the field in terms of trying my hardest to master
0: Yeah, know, the so coding industry, with, but yeah. With the automation, the good thing about it is, um, that it's just doing it for you every single time. Right. Cause otherwise it's not getting done at all, you know? I mean, you're not doing any follow-up with, with estimates you send unless it's something you really want. But if your company is doing follow-up just automatically, and here's the thing, like some of it is annoying. You know, some of it is like, um, you know, you, want, you need the wording to be generic enough to where it fits for everyone in every scenario. Um, but you don't want it to be like a robot. You know, it's... So you customize them a little bit. Uh, maybe one of these one of these episodes, we'll dig in and I'll we'll pull up a screen share and we'll go through mine. But um, that is so it's like perfect for a person like you. It it's, works really well for a person like me. where well, I'm not doing great follow up. My salesperson's not doing great follow up. And so, rather than hire somebody to do follow up, I just have automation. You know, and it's so it sends an S, uh, an email and a text you know, like an hour later, Hey, just wanted to make sure you received the estimate. Give us a call if you have any questions, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then I'll send one a day later and then three days later and then five days later, you know, and then a week later. So all these messages are just to remind people, Hey, I'm still here. Hey, I'm still here. Don't forget about me. You know, if they get another estimate, yeah, they know that like, while I may be annoying them, they're still thinking about me, you know, like they didn't yeah. forget about me. And while I may be annoying them, they're still thinking like, damn, that fucking guy is persistent, right? Or that guy's a good yeah. <laughs> system or whatever, right? It's like, uh, it's it's annoying, but you also don't forget about it. You know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Um, and I've had a lot of them recently. So I've been using uh, Drip Jobs, which is Tanner Mullen's CRM. Um, and I, I tested it out like maybe six months ago. Um, and to be honest, I thought it was pretty shitty at that point. Uh, but they made a bunch of updates and made it more user-friendly for a bigger company like mine. And we're not that big of a company, but among painting company, residential painting companies, we're on the bigger side. Um, And so they made enough edits to it and upgrades and updates and all that to where it's really usable for me. And it's like, um, it's pretty good. I'm pretty impressed with it. So we've been using it for about a month now, full time. And all the automation, like I'm getting people responding to the automatic messages, you know, like I'll just get a message from someone that's like, um, yes, we do want to move forward on it. We're just waiting on the carpenter to finish trim. You know, I'm like, where the fuck does that come from? it's like, oh yeah, I sent them a message automatically, right? Saying, hey, just wanted to check in, see if you're still interested in moving forward on the project. Right. Um, but you can also steal those jobs from other painting companies. Like another painting company for sure could steal a job from me. Cause like we need to make it as easy as possible for somebody to say yes. And somebody to move forward. If somebody makes it easier than you do and they're good enough, they're going to get the job. You know, if I, if I go do an estimate today and someone does an estimate for them in three days and that person in three days um, is the same price as me, likable enough um, but they do really good follow up, and they're like, Hey, I just want to let you know, we have an opening on Monday. If you got, I know you guys want to get started early. We have an opening on Monday. If you want to get it started, you know, I'll come out, we'll figure out colors, blah, 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 right. They're making it super easy on that customer to say yes. Whereas for me, we did the estimate and they don't hear from us ever again. They might've really liked us a lot, but then I got to call John, I got to schedule it. I got to figure out colors. I got to see when they're even available, You know all this shit, where you know painter number two is just like, "Hey, I'll come to you, I'll help you pick colors, I'll get you started on Monday. We're done with everything by Friday." You know that's like piece of cake, making it super easy on a client, Uh, and that's what a lot of people want. They want to like you enough, and then they want you to make it easy on them.
1: Yeah, you know, those like I would have to really think about that in my market because I know one hundred percent there's several competitive bids that I end up doing where a they are, you know, the competition is trying to figure out my pricing models and B um, I'm not doing follow-ups and they're doing shit like, well, you know, what's his price and, you know, telling them that they'll do it for cheaper, you know? Yeah, Yeah. Which is fine. I don't want those customers anyway. Right. And th- those dudes will eventually, you know, I think they're going to be of the types that, you know, when shit crashes that they'll be kind of the go first on. ones to go. But yeah. um, it doesn't, you know, and it doesn't transfer anyway. Like if you know my number, like I'll do ask me my number, motherfucker. I'll tell you, but it doesn't yeah. mean that you're going to, you're not going to put in the type of work we're going to put in. Like cool. Yeah. You went to a house and sprayed it off with water. And then fucking uh just sprayed fucking a one hundred on it without striking it like it doesn't mean anything in comparison, you know? Yeah, my number, my number. But but that's where you
0: build reputation. Yeah, that's where your reputation comes into play. So, um, really important things uh is you need to be likable, right? People need to trust you. Um, A lot of salespeople say people buy from who they like. You know, like they gotta. I think you need to not be off putting, you know, you don't have to be best friend. You don't have to be the annoying sales guy. That's like, Hey buddy. Oh, nice Denver Broncos hat. I'm a Broncos fan too. Right? Like I can't do that shit, dude. No, me neither. I never have. I'm, I'm not that guy. I could find something that we have in common or I don't even do that necessarily. Um, I am naturally interested in like what people do for a living and, and, Whatever, you know, I'm naturally I don't interested. ask those
1: types of questions because I don't want yeah. people to feel like I'm trying to feel them out to see how much money I can How get much I can charge them. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so so wh-
0: for me, for me, it would be like, so if I have somebody asking a lot of detailed questions, I'll ask them, what do you do for a living? you know, like inquisitively yeah. like that. And it'll usually be engineer or lawyer or something along those lines where they're real thinkers. Yeah. And I'll say I thought so. A lot of people don't ask those questions, you know, and it's just like, a, oh, yeah, OK, you understand yeah. me. Yeah, you know? yeah like to generate kind of
1: conversation versus get an answer. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 exactly.
0: Yeah. I'm not looking. Yeah, I would never come out in, a, in an estimate quote and say, oh, what do you guys do for a living? But I in usually something like that. The yeah, way I communicate be like, Compliment. is
1: yeah, sorry. the The way I communicate is usually by trapping people into talking about yeah. the matter at hand, so I can display my knowledge of product yeah. because I know that that guys aren't out there, you know, like digging deep into the the details, you know, yeah. of architectural coatings. So that's how I generate conversation is just through the subject matter that I'm there for. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: So, but even on that, like I won't always go into details with some people. If I could tell that someone doesn't want to hear all the ins and outs of durability, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll read that and then give them the short version, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. We should go deep on this stuff. Cause there's a lot to it. Yeah. We'll save um,
1: the, We'll save the uh, the psychology of estimating or or sales, yeah. I guess for sales.
0: One. Yeah, that's that's fun too. I really enjoy that. I had a lot of fun when I was doing it. I, I rarely do it now. If I ever do it now, it's for like a really old client, you know, that just wants to see me or whatever. Yeah. Um. Okay, but so um, on the marketing side, um, so my company was built uh, very similar to how yours was. Uh, we just did organic uh, growth. And we pretty much doubled year over year. Um, and there was some kind of a breaking point. Like I, I basically ran everything myself up to like $700,000 in sales. Um, and then at that point I brought somebody in to help me out. And then shortly after that I hired a salesperson and then that salesperson has been with me for maybe six years now, six or seven years. Um, <clears throat> So, we have another location. It's about 30 minutes, uh, maybe 40 minutes south of my main location. So, in most parts of the country, that's probably not very far. Like, how would you have a place that close, to, you know, that close to 30, one another? 30
1: minutes south. What are you doing? Like, Long Beach or something?
0: No. So, ours is in Huntington Beach, and we're down in San Clemente. Oh, okay. Yeah, shit. Yeah, uh, north. Long Beach is south. north of Huntington. Yeah. Yeah. So, our Huntington Beach location will serve Long Beach. That's the furthest north we'll go. Okay. Um, and then the first, furthest inland we'll go is like the Tustin area. So we won't go to Anaheim. Right? So you've got Anaheim, Corona. Um my next plan is to do a location. People probably there.
1: don't even paint shit in Anaheim.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know what? It, a <laughs> lot of money a lot of money has gotten into there. Anaheim Hills and through that area. Yeah. It's surprising, but a lot of money has come in. Um So, I'm going to eventually open a location there. That'll probably be like next year. Um, and then we're going to fucking tackle LA. LA, I don't want to do, but there's so much business out there. Um, I just don't want to deal with the traffic. So yeah. LA and then San Diego. Um, so for this other location we have, um, it's only about two years old and we don't put any money into marketing there. So. Uh, immediately, I got an office down there, so I had a an address, and then a uh, Yelp page and a Google My Business listing. So now my company has two listings: one for uh, South Orange County, one for North Orange County. How does that um, How
1: does that work, by the way, the two Google listings? Because if I was to say open up a another shop in another city, can I run it off of the same number? Or do I got to do a separate listing?
0: Uh, we have a separate number for that just so we could track data and then we call it Soco South County. So it'd be JQ paint Soco, right? That's the name that we gave it. So yours might be like alpha painting two, you know, number two, alpha painting number three, right. Or whatever the location is, maybe you give it a little tag at the end of it. Um, you know, it might be like alpha painting Hollister, you know, or whatever, I don't know what the locations are around you, but something like that. So we do have a differentiator in there. Um, And then my main goal in the beginning was just get a few reviews up there. So we start getting some organic phone calls. Um, So for that location, uh, last year did like around $250,000 in business for the second, you know, second year technically in business there. um, We have been able to piggyback off of the name that we built in Huntington Beach. So we get some crossover there, Um, and and that one is like no no money spent. I think I spend seventy bucks a month for the Yelp page, um, just so people don't advertise on my page. Google My Business is free; you just got to post. Now, if I were trying to like, that's still a pretty big market there with a lot of money. So,
1: is the Google My Business is that is that like having the Google listing? Okay. The, the But the, my business thing isn't like a special deal. It's just like having your phone number on there.
0: Yeah. It's just your, okay. it's just your listing that you can control. You can post pictures to, You can yeah. post. Yeah. That's Dude, mine just doesn't yours.
1: work right. Do do you do all your postings from the computer?
0: Uh, no, I do it all from my app.
1: I, yeah, I do it from my phone and it's like, it won't let me do certain shit. And
0: well, so they're recently changing, they're switching it all over to Google maps. So now you have to do everything out of Google maps. So your listing, if you go in and edit it, I don't know if it's a hundred percent over now, but you can go into Google Maps, pull up your business, and then do all your editing in there. What? That's so. Fucking yeah, they're confusing. they're getting yeah. rid of. Yeah, they're getting rid of the Google My Business app, and and so they're transitioning it over. So you only do it out of Google Maps.
1: Dude, I don't trust Google. Like they're yeah, fucking. I don't either. I bought hundreds and hundreds of dollars of fucking music from the uh the google play store and the, you know and yeah. then they shut down google play <laughs> and like i lose all of my music
0: yeah i don't trust any of it anywhere i'm a very non-trusting person <laughs> 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 i don't know if that's a word but um so uh that's a slow way to build something you know it's going to take time but if i just let that thing run in south county um, you know, in 10 years, it'll turn over a million bucks a year, you know, for a repeat and a referral work, or at least in that range, maybe 800,000. Um, and that's just because we're not putting a lot of money. We're not putting any money into marketing there. If we do want to wrap it up, it's just about a marketing spend, you know, but we can do things organically through SEO. If we're doing blogging on our website, um, if we're posting lots of photos on Yelp and Google My Business. You know, like all that content just helps us be more relevant all the time. Now,
1: now right. by opening up shop there, do you mean that it's all your same guys, but it's just guys you've pre-talked to about going a little further?
0: If what? I'm sorry.
1: I said now by opening up, opening up shop in, in like a different city, you know, mm-hmm. and treating it like it's a new business in terms of staffing that, are are you just, you know, hey, here's a separate business, but I will you know, I'll send my existing guys from Huntington to go do that.
0: Yeah. So when we do, um, when we do locations that are going to be further away, like LA and San Diego, we're definitely not going to have our Huntington beach crew traveling out there. Yeah, definitely not. That'll be crews that are specific to that location. Um, for San Clemente and Huntington beach, it's not that far away. I have some guys that have hired that are, that live further down South, like in the Laguna Niguel area. Yeah. Which is like, 20 minutes to Huntington beach, 20 minutes to San Clemente, you know, they're like right in the middle. Um, so for them, it's easy to go either way. Um, the San Clemente location. So like basically when, if we, so when we do LA, this would be like a good, um, kind of, or, uh, thought experiment here. So when we do a location in Los Angeles, um, that is about an hour and a half North of me, right? And it's because of traffic. I mean, maybe it's 45 minutes with no traffic, but there's never not traffic up there. So when we do a location there, uh, my salesperson now will decide if he wants to go out there and build that location, or if he wants to stay here and continue working on this one. Um, But when we do a location there, we're going to right out of the gate, have a subcontractor that will do jobs that we schedule and a salesperson. So that salesperson is gonna be working on day one, whether we have jobs or not, I'm gonna have to pay that person. Um, That salesperson is also gonna be a project manager in the beginning, right? So then I don't have to hire two positions, I just hire one. So my salesperson will get some sort of salary that's gonna cover like project management position plus commission, which is gonna cover their sales side of it. Um, That'll morph into probably a sales manager or a project manager slash sales manager, or a regional manager, which is going to oversee both of those positions. I'll do it for Um,
1: 200 grand a year.
0: (laughs) 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 It's only like 17 grand a month. Look, but ideally that's what, um, that kind of position will pay a regional manager, you know, somebody that will manage three Los Angeles locations, you know, and that person is going to be responsible for managing all the different positions for that area. Um, so right out of the gate, start with the salesperson. That's also going to do project management, um, and then start dumping money into marketing. Like I guarantee within one month I can have jobs scheduled out there. It's just how many do we want to have scheduled? How many crews are we going to keep busy? What's the goal for the first year? So, um, you know, we've kind of gone through like internally within my company, what it looks like if we branch into a whole different area, like Los Angeles or San Diego you know, these are an hour and a half to two hours away from us. So it's not, I'm not driving up there back and forth. Like that's not going to happen. Maybe once a week in the beginning, but definitely not a daily thing. Um, probably every two weeks even is better. So my in average the beginning,
1: job means I drive mm-hmm. two hours a day.
0: <laughs> yeah. Mine is like 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. We're pretty lucky here. Um, but so we do a location out there and right out of the gate, the the spend on marketing, depending on how aggressive we want to be, is going to be like $2,000 to $5,000 a month, right out of the gate. Um, and so same thing there. I would set up a Yelp page. I would set up a Google My Business page and I would get an address up there. Um, Yelp and I think Google My Business want to have an actual physical location. They won't do a, like a mailbox, you know, Um. <clears throat> And so like in San Clemente, I have an office, cost me $400 a month. In LA, we do the same thing. And then in LA, we'd probably eventually get a warehouse or get a shop space. That way we can store equipment and all that there. Now, our spend would be between, in the beginning, it would be testing everything. So it'd be testing um, Yelp, you know, if we put in 500 bucks a month or a thousand bucks a month on that, and then just start tracking numbers um, Google AdWords, same deal. Start with 500 or a thousand a month, start tracking AdWords, Facebook, same thing. So all of our marketing up there would be, you know, like on a two to three month plan and then just tracking the shit out of everything. Like very specifically, what is the best return? Uh, maybe they all return great and we keep them all going or, you know, they all return great and it's like, it's too much business. So we get to dial it back a little bit. Um, but if we went Facebook, Yelp, Google My Business, or uh, AdWords, and put a thousand dollars into each of those, three thousand bucks a month, um, within three months we would for sure have a ton of work, and we would have pretty specific information on which ones uh, returning best. Uh, and then there's tons of other options for marketing too. Like there's mailers, there's um, lead services, um, there's SEO. Like there's so many options for it. SEO with manipulating your website uh, for search results is the best long term play. You know, that's something that is going to eventually, you're not paying anything for it. You're just doing maintenance. And that's just generating business for you all the time. You know, those search words Yelp, you have to pay all the time, um, AdWords, you have to pay for a long time in- until you get enough reviews in there and, you know, you have consistent marketing. Um, but even then like mine I don't have that many reviews on on our google listing but I have like 160 or something on yelp yelp is bigger here so I can't let's say a
1: single human being that I would ever trust to just go do a job for me and me cross my
0: fingers that it was gonna fucking turn out all right you know what I'm saying <laughs> you could interview someone to figure it out you'd be able to do it like when it, you know we've been talking about this but We'll, we'll, I'll fly out there. You'll fly out here. Um, you'll be able to see like my salesperson doesn't really know shit about painting, but you know, he sold, yeah. uh, I don't know, one and a quarter million dollars last year in painting jobs, you know, and they are people that we mostly made happy. <laughs> yeah. um, my, my foreman you'll get to meet. Some of them are really on top of it and really know their shit. Some of them are kind of knuckleheads, you know, and it's just closer management or less management, right? Like my really high level foreman, I don't have to do very much management at all with them. You know, I get them a scope. We talk about the project a little bit and they're off and running. Some of my guys, it's like, you know, we have a conversation every day or every other day about where the project is, what the challenges are, like they need to be reminded of what's really important to focus on, what's really important to think about on a project. Um, do you have? But if I waited any, if I waited, you have any, do you
1: have until, any guys that uh, that try and like cut your lead guy's throat and like go behind his back to try and play games and get his job or anything like that?
0: No, because they don't want it. They <laughs> and they know yeah. that's higher pressure. They know it's higher pay but they also know it's yeah. higher pressure. So like having people that want the top end, <clears throat> it's interesting. So, um, I have one guy that I, that, um, said he like at our Christmas party last year, no, 20, 2020, our Christmas party, one of my lead painters, um, excellent painter, excellent worker, excellent employee, always early. Like keep this guy forever if I can. Um, He wanted more money. You know, I was like, Hey man, I'll I'll pay you more. You got to take on more responsibility, right? Like there's a, a certain place where it's not in the budget to pay somebody more to do a lower level job. Like unless they can do jobs on their own and then have people under them, you just max out at a certain point. You know, like I can't just pay someone 65 bucks an hour if we're not charging enough to do that. And if I'm going to pay you 65 an hour, you have to do the work of two people. You know, that's the only way it would yeah. work unless, you know, we can put three crews under you, you know, and you're, you, one person is managing three crews that are going smoothly. Then yeah, maybe I could pay you 65 an hour. <clears throat> so for this guy, I was like, all right, yeah, man, I'd be happy to to pay you more, but you have to take on more responsibility. You know, there needs to be some responsibility on projects. And this guy knows how to do cabinet finishing really well. <clears throat> He's basically been like the right-hand man for my main cabinet finisher. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, like early in the year, um, I had him with like, you know, a higher level lead guy. That way they can just kind of work with one another, you know, and kind of get used to uh, being responsible. And, Man, maybe like three weeks in, he's like, I don't want to, I don't want this position anymore. (laughs) He's like, it's too stressful for me to be in charge. I don't like being in charge, you know, and (laughs) it's just, it's all the little things they don't think about. You know, it's like the, I don't know, they're supposed to send an update every day, you know, a, a report of what got done today, what we're doing tomorrow, and if we need any supplies. Well, if they don't send an update or if they forget that they need more material for tomorrow and then they get there at 8am the next day and call me at eight 30 and say, Hey, we're out of paint for the doors. We need to get more paint. You know, then for me, it's like, Hey dude, this is supposed to be in your report yesterday. You know, like you've got to make sure this is why you have to have that report in there or that information, that report, because of blah, blah, blah. Now you're going to leave the job today, have to go to the paint store. I've got to pay you to do that now. Right? Like, Um, and so enough of those phone calls with him and he's like, fuck this. I don't want this job anymore. (laughs) Put my pay back to where it was and I don't want any responsibility, you know? Oh, you did Um, raise
1: it and then he wanted to go back. Yeah. Yeah. How much of a pay jump was it?
0: Oh, I think it was like two or three bucks at the time. Yeah. It was like two or three immediately. And then a couple more, if he sticks it out, you know, it works out. Um, So not everybody wants it. They all think they do. And I think enough of them have tried out and seen what the responsible person gets, you know, good and bad. And most of them are smart enough to know like, eh, that position might not be for me, you know? Yeah. Because it's pretty cushy. Like if you're a lead painter on on my team, but not a foreman, like you almost never get shit from me, you know? Like I'm almost not ever talking to you. Um, but my foreman I'm in touch with all the time, you know? And so they make mistakes and it gets called out, um, you know, and I'm not a dick to these guys or anything, but if we make the same mistake a bunch of times in a row, then it's a problem, you know, then it's, then I can be a dick.
1: I've worked for so many companies out here, dude, that, you know, you go to work for, and they've really, they've really got somebody that is completely illegitimately, you know, in the lead position. Mm Mm-hmm not illegitimately, but like is unqualified Yeah, and I stay out of it and just observe or whatever, you know, I've gotten Mm -hmm. pissed at times before and just went and ran a cock gun and just pretended and and observed people. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just watching guys do like everyone conspiring and like everyone thinks they're the fucking boss and dude, like, I, I've worked for several of those nightmare companies
0: and yeah. I, so that was a big problem when we grew to like 35, 40 guys was all the conspiring. And right now um, we're in like the 18 to 20 range and I've got a pretty clean crew right now. You know, like yeah. everybody mostly understands like they, if they slack off every now and then fine, but if it's a consistent thing, um, you're going to be out of here, you yeah. know? And it's like, everybody knows like we give 40 hours a week all the time, no matter what, <clears throat> if you want weekends, you got them. If you don't fine, no problem. Um, there's no shortage of work and a lot of companies around here will pay a couple dollars more and then give you like 24 hours this week and 31 next week and 44 the week after, and then 22 the weekend, a- you know what I mean? Like they're all over the place cause they don't have consistent work. Um, so I have a lot of guys that go out, test the waters, and then come back um at the same pay. <laughs> you know, I'm like, hey yeah. man, how why why do you want to come back? It's, oh, well, this wasn't getting that many hours, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, look, if you look at 30 hours a week at $22 an hour versus 40 hours a week at $19 an hour, you're getting way more money, you know? Um so <laughs> but, but anyway, the uh, building the company, I go to LA, it, it would, I would be able to have a business up and running there, like within three months, no problem, you know, but I got to have, uh, maybe like 20 grand to start it, you know, cause I want to have, let's say like 3,500 bucks a month for marketing. Um, and then I've got to cover salary at least for two months, uh, maybe one month, one month of salary with no money coming in for my salesperson, you know? Um and so a twenty grand would give me enough to have some money to pay for materials, um, uh, put together some equipment, um, you know, and just have enough money to kind of keep the the cash flow going. And I would bet See, within that first year it's like, you know, I don't know, four or five hundred thousand dollars of business, maybe more, depending on how hard we push sales. Yeah.
1: To me that would be well, I mean Fuck, I don't know. I really gotta look, get my finance, my finances in order in terms of like, you know, money that's getting put back, and this is for taxes and blah blah blah. And yeah, you know, you you know personally of all the the personal shit I've been having to deal yeah. with or whatever that is really, you know, f- like fucked up what I had going on or whatever. But, um, man, like to like the guys that would like roll the dice and get a 10 or $20,000 loan to start a a painting company. Like that was never me. You know, I knew that when I started it, um, that I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to do it like that. I just wanted to bust ass and build it off the ground. And you know, I did it post divorce. So I technically did it with like nothing, dude. I had like a pretty much a close on my back and, and, Mm uh, you know like a duffel bag and shit <laughs> and uh and a car and you know shit like come like the second year i i had like 40 or fifty thousand dollars in equipment which is a yeah. lot for a small two to two to three man crew look that's know?
0: a lot for anybody i mean i bet if we compared equipment sizes yours is probably pretty similar to mine you have some expensive stuff Well, you know so the, I the to... one of the differences one of the differences in like um how you're building your company versus this hypothetical la company that I'm building is if I stop spending money on marketing my business goes away in one month you know if I build that even if I ran it for a year it's probably gone within three or four months just because it's not enough business to turn over for repeat customers for referrals all that Yours is going to take longer to build. Um, Let's say you take three times as long as I do to get to $750,000. I'm going to get there really quickly, but mine is not going to be wowing people. Mine is not going to be like the personal communication. Um, Yours is going to be more personal. Yours is going to be more long-term, longer lasting. You know, yours is going to turn over... um, a lot. I'm going to have to keep spending money on marketing. Any of these bigger companies right now that are doing uh, like 2 mil It's got to be over $2 million a month in business. Um, almost all of them are spending thousands and thousands of dollars a month in marketing. You know, like 5 grand a month in marketing, 10 grand, 20 grand. Uh, for my company, is that, I'm uh-huh.
1: That's even with what your like what your business is by itself in Huntington.
0: No, not me. So that's oh, what okay. I was gonna say is, uh, almost any of these companies you see that are doing 2 million plus are spending a minimum $5,000 a month in marketing. And that's like through Facebook ads, through um, AdWords, through SEO, whatever, you name it. Mine is, I'm spending probably uh, so they're like, less, they're like less than 600. Well, they're not getting enough repeat business. You know, yeah. so they have to keep getting these new, it, which for me, it's the same thing. If I want to do $3 million, $3 million a year, um, I'm going to either need to start uh, cranking out my sales, you know, getting a higher close rate. Or what if, what if spending you did money nothing,
1: like zero marketing, none of that shit, and just what would it be like, like for well, you? Well, so
0: I've spent less than $600 a month for the past 10 years, and then the 10 years prior to that was probably less than 300 a month. So I spend very little on marketing, like almost nothing. These are like but, maintenance but if, fees that I'm paying.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you spent zero, like what, what would be the state of your business right now?
0: So would if I dropped or? down to zero from like 600 um, on Yelp, people would now be able to advertise on my page. So I imagine I would take a hit there, right? Um, Cause right now they can't. So I'm just paying so that people cannot advertise on my page. It's like 90 bucks a month um and i have like one or two other things on there maybe it's like a photo slideshow or some shit like that i probably pay like 140 a month for yelp um through what else um i don't even know what else we pay for advertising on
1: what now what what is yelp like in terms of i think i know what what it is but what, what do you mean by having to pay to not have advertisements on it?
0: So Yelp, like if you search top 10 painters in Huntington Beach or or best painting or interior painting in Huntington Beach, their listing comes up as like, um, uh, check Yelp, top 10 top ten painters in Huntington Beach. So you click on it and then you have just a full list of, of painting companies. You know, there's like 100 or 200 or 300 of them listed in there. Yelp is basically this review site, right? Like restaurants, painting companies, carpenters, electricians, whatever. And it's just all reviews, you know. So it's like people that view. It's the same thing as Google. Um, and it comes up in almost the same area. So like I have mine pulled up right now. Um, so for painters in Huntington Beach, painting companies Huntington Beach, um, I'm number three on the Google My Business page. And then top 10 painters in Huntington beach, California. That's the next one that comes up. So in there <clears throat> you have paid advertising. Um, so it used to not be this way. It used to be just number one through number 10 would show up first and then paid advertisers would be sprinkled in. I used to get like 40 calls a week when that was going on. It's like it's fucking crazy amount. Cause we were the top for a bunch of areas. And that was completely organic, but legitimately like 40 calls a week, brand new phone calls, real leads, like legit, good quality leads. They changed up their listing service and now it shows like 10 advertisers first. And then it goes, shows you number one. So we still rank number one, but we're after you you scroll down past 10 other painting companies who are paying for ads, and then you find us. So, yeah. and there's just a little number one next to our name. So it's not obvious that we're top rated, you know? Um, so, but somebody clicks on your name or on your page and <clears throat> within your page, there'll be listings like on the right-hand side that are like, uh, people that search this company also searched Lee's Painting and also searched Jim's Painting and also searched, right? So yeah, these are the companies that are advertising on your page, essentially. So if you pay them 90 bucks a month, they won't have anybody else listed on your page. So all you're doing is getting them off. Um, You know, it's their way to make money, you know, for people who aren't paying for advertising.
1: So so essentially like you you have, you're to the stage to where like, if you did zero stuff, like you'd still generate millions of dollars of work, you think in terms Uh, of uh, marketing?
0: Yeah, a little over a million. Well, yeah, it would take a while for our, our new business to go away. So like even for Yelp, if I didn't pay anything on there and I didn't um, like the, the turnover, would still happen. It would just be at a slower rate, you know? So I imagine I would start losing market share just slowly year over year. Um, but our repeat and referral business has been over a million dollars for like the past four years, you know, something like that. So that's not going away unless we start doing shitty work or being a bad reference. Yeah. You know, if we start being a bad referral, That's not going anywhere. Um, And that'll probably just get bigger over time, you know, because the more customers we serve, the more referrals we get, the more repeats we get. So then, Um,
1: you know, you've spent time, you know, year over year building word of mouth and mind share and all that stuff naturally, as well as added on
0: marketing. Right. Right yeah and but so you're like it's taken a, 20
1: years you're like a vasectomy you're you're not you're definitely not going to get anyone pregnant whereas like the guys that are just going to dump money into marketing they're like herpes cream like you're going to have an outbreak unless unless they keep that shit in check
0: yes definitely and that that's where you can dump mar- uh, money into marketing and blow something up pretty quickly you know, and, and if I went to a new location like L.A. or San Diego, where it's further away from me, where I, I um, you know, I'm not going to have as much personal impact, uh, it would be with a marketing budget of like three or $4,000. And, but it would grow quickly, you know, it hit a million dollars within two years at the most. And I just have to be able to manage that animal, you know, otherwise it's yeah. chaos and, you know, that all that money spent was for nothing. So I
1: think this, this subject, I think I will, I will turn to you when, I mean, unless the zombies come and shit and we're looking at like, you know, really terrible stuff, but if the market falls out and I'm having a hard time, you know, generating business and stuff, I'm going to be hitting your ass up about how to do that. Uh,
0: So look, like if we, if we were going to do an experiment and let's say, uh, we need to get your company to a million dollars in business by the end of 2023. Um, the first things that I would do is interview to hire a salesperson and figure out a marketing budget. You know, and it because like even if I went to your market, there is marketing that works. It's just it's gonna be harder to figure it out because you're a smaller market. You know, so if we go there, like in some markets, newspapers work really well. You know, like yeah. putting putting an ad in the newspaper, tons of people read the newspaper. And in certain markets, like in Pennsylvania, in lots of Midwest states, I'm sure, there's lots of people that are homeowners that read the newspaper every day. Um, And so in some places, newspapers work really well. Uh, Flyers might work really well. Flyers work everywhere. It's just a matter of what's the return on investment. You know, if you're spending $3,000 a month in flyers, what return does that give you? What if you spend $1,000? You know, does that give you a good return, good enough? Or is that $1,000 better spent on a newspaper ad, you know, giant ads in the newspaper or on AdWords or Facebook or Yelp or whatever other option you have, you know? Um, so, but you would spend like three to six months, three to six months testing where your dollars work the best, you know? So let's say if you had like five grand to spend, even if you had three. You know, you could do 500 here, 500 there, whatever. Um, And you just figure out which one is producing best. You have a salesperson so that every call gets taken, every estimate gets done. Um, You have a CRM system so that follow-up happens on every lead that you go and look at. Uh, And then you just fine-tune things from there. You know, like here, I don't have very many tire kickers. So like our leads are hot. You know, we're not, I'm not getting very many people that are just, you know, wondering a ballpark price because, you know, they were going to paint it themselves, but they figure they'll see what it costs to get it done by someone else. I get very few of those, but I guarantee I go to Midwest or anything like that. And I get, start getting a ton of them. You know, I see a yeah. lot of feedback that, uh, people get a lot of leads from people that they, they say are not buyers. You know, I don't know if that's true or not, cause I don't live there, but yeah. But there are ways I mean, to pre qualify. Incomes a
1: bit lower and yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I I've I get phone calls like that every once in a while. Well, we just tried to paint our house and we realized that uh it sucks. Yeah, <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right. We don't know but, what we're doing and
0: But paying ten grand sucks more, so I'll yeah. figure it out, right? That's yeah. Um so very, but you start doing pre qualified
1: I don't even think i've ever sold one of those jobs you know
0: yeah um but that's where pre-qualifying comes in so my my thought is probably that first phone call is you try to cancel them out or confirm them as a real buyer yeah and it's like uh you know um why are you looking to get your home painted have you hired a contractor for uh working on your home before you know like those types of questions even ballpark prices you know, if you're getting a high enough, uh, ratio of tire kickers, then you just start doing more work to pre-qualify them. You know, that way you're wasting less of your time. Yeah. But that's all in that whole, like the whole AB testing process is figuring out which market, uh, which marketing avenues are working best and then double down on them, you know? And that's, if you have a salesperson, cause it's going to be really hard to grow that big that quickly while you're working on a job and trying to do estimates and trying to answer phone calls like that shit, it's not going to happen. You know, you're going to pull your hair out.
1: So in a rural market, say you move somewhere, right? Say you moved to a rural market, small town, you know, nobody, how much money do you go there with how much knowing that, that there's a lot of shit help and uh, you know, say you got a rent or you got it, you just bought a home or whatever the fuck, dude. Like, how much money are you going there with? You know, whether it, I guess, don't include rent or yeah. or mortgage. You, I, I guess, you would have to assume like four or five thousand dollars a month in bills, right? That that you would have to generate or live off of, and then. How much do you use to invest into a business and how fast until you're generating money?
0: Well, let's just not count the cost of living at all. Let's just count the business side. So let's say my house is paid for. I don't have any bills, but I have to, you know, build a business. Um, So for me, I'd want to have like six months of my marketing expenses would be ideal. Well,
1: Well, I think that the cost of living is very important because you only have so much time to do this. You know what right. I'm saying? Well, so, well,
0: but then if we're saying, how much money do I go there to start with? And it's like, well, how about a hundred grand? How about 200 mm, grand? How about- No,
1: let's, let's, let's go like, let's go, let's say you go there with, let's say this, $10,000 for business stuff. Mm-hmm. You have nothing. And then you have a backup income of $15,000 let's say 20 you have a backup income of $20,000 and that's going to get you 3 months of bills so you have 3 months to have your shit Figure figured out. out and on the 4th month you're out of fucking money
0: okay and i've got 10 grand to start
1: yeah that's all okay. you have to spend is 10 and yeah 10 grand into business stuff and so you've it's, got like 5 grand for traveling expenses and then all the rest is fucking bills so really yeah. you only have $10,000 to invest in business, five grand to fucking feed yourself fuel and gas, yeah. and then 15 grand for bills and you're broke in three months.
0: Okay. So um, that's not an ideal scenario for me. Like if w- when we do an LA location. Yeah. Um, I well, I, I just in... need to bring you into the, the white yeah. trash life and how shit works <laughs> out here. <laughs> <laughs> so I, w- I wouldn't go into LA with that. Those parameters. Yeah. Right. I would probably, I would probably want 20 grand to go there. And that's yeah. what I would spend on the business, running the business. That's how much it w- I would use to start a company there. But how uh, much money would, would you person. have
1: to, to like say, pay rent and shit for, you know, you know what I mean? Like, are you looking yeah. at like, hey, I moved to LA with $100,000? No, I wouldn't
0: move there. Yeah. This is what I'm saying. This no, no, no. Is no I'm like just for,
1: saying though, but that's like yeah. the difference. Like, hey, you're coming out here. You're almost broke. You've got, you know, 10 grand for business, you got 20 grand to fucking pay rent for three months and, and have some okay. know, food.
0: So, so let's say, um, here, everything crashes for me and I close up shop and I'm moving to Missouri. Yeah. Right. I've got, I've got enough money to cover my bills for three months and I've got 10 grand to invest in a company. Right.
1: Yeah. And you're, by the way, you're moving here because like everyone in like LA is turning to zombies. They're starting to eat each other.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. There we go. <laughs> okay. So I'm getting out of there. Uh, so first off I would be doing sales. I would be doing project management. Um, but I don't think I'd plan on doing any of the work myself, not to start. Um, I think i would start out right away with subcontractors. So I would, uh, make phone calls, Talk to local painting companies. Find guys that are reviewed reviewed really well, um, and then I would start doing. Um, if I had well, ten now, grand, now now yeah.
1: here's something you have to consider: those guys that review very well are are probably going to be too expensive for you yeah. to make money off of them as subs. Now the cheaper guys, they might be smoking some meth. They might fucking, yeah. you know, they might smoke a bunch. But then of you weed, do your interviews.
0: They, But so like in an interviewing process, you figure out, okay, on a house, whatever size, you can have them out to your house. Say, look, I'm trying to build a business here. Um, I need somebody that I can sub to, that I can trust. You know, we got to figure out the pricing thing. I don't mind, you know, trying to get higher prices than what are normal, but we need to figure something out. So if I sell a job at a certain amount, you could do a quality job. Um, So maybe have them out to my house and have them give me an estimate on it. You know, maybe I'll tell them like, Hey, I'll give you 50 bucks. You know, I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to be an asshole, but, um, you know, if you come out, write up a proposal, how you would for a regular customer, you know, I'll give you 50 bucks for your time and then have 10 different companies do this, you know, and figure out who's showing up on time, who's late, who looks by the way.
1: Like we don't know each other, and like I'm probably like the first person you called, and I've already told you to go fuck yourself, <laughs>
0: right? <laughs> probably, and then I figure out like, all right, shit's going to be different here, right? Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> month one, I'm probably spending like two to three thousand dollars in marketing, testing the waters. You know, month two, I'm getting a little more refined, and maybe I'm spending three thousand dollars. And then month three, if I don't have my shit figured out by month three on my spend and I'm not bringing money in, then I'm getting to worry a little bit. Um, yeah.
1: And like but you're, you should you're trying track to your bathrooms, You're going to have to paint.
0: Yeah. But so <laughs> if, if I only had 10 grand, <laughs> if I only had 10 grand, I would be doing lead services as well in the beginning. I would be doing Thumbtack yeah. or Home Advisor, or whatever you have out there because that's like instant, instant money generating um yeah so 10 grand's not enough runway to be able to like test something for four or five months so if i had that short of a runway i would be doing a lead service or something for sure or be a sub yeah. for a company like mine <laughs> i think payments. i think you
1: could do it but i i've had i've been in like several situations to where i've had that guy come to work for us you know what i mean and Mm -hmm. ended up fucking like getting rid of them or they get stuck there for a long time or they quit and they go to work for another company and they're just stuck in the mix, you know?
0: Yeah. 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 Look, it's not, Um, you would have to track the numbers really tight and you would have to be on top of it and you would have to be, uh, not afraid of the risk, you know? Cause like, you're gonna, you're going into it like balls out and let's use California
1: as an example in terms of subbing, because let's let's say, hey, I I'm Aaron. I'm gonna go fucking sub something from another contractor in Missouri mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Like my prices are gonna be so high that I'm gonna be higher than the guy bidding the fucking job. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So nobody, that, how, you would
0: never work as a sub because yeah. of that, right? Like you so, couldn't come so, here and do sub work because you'd be too expensive. I couldn't. Yeah, pay so you if you do my job, if you came
1: here looking for subs dude and you're gunning for you know you're trying to to turn a profit off of somebody else doing something and you're you're digging around in that lower to mid-tier range like you're really talking like dangerous fucking low quality fucking just shit work you know what i mean yeah yeah Um, but then you then then
0: you coach them up though right like you could you could do this too like like are are you talking about
1: like subbing or you're talking about like pulling a sub together that and and like managing the project no, and not subbing. leaving the fucking job. Uh, Just...
0: Subbing it out, but managing it pretty tightly. You know, like if I had a sub crew, uh, maybe I go check out a couple of the houses and I find things I don't like and I find things I do like, you know. Um, I might manage the materials. I might manage the prep work. I for sure would manage the prep work. But it would be like, hey, this is You know, if I sold this project for five grand, it's an exterior repaint and I need them to do it for twenty five hundred or for two thousand, let's say two thousand bucks. I'll cover all the materials cost. You guys just show up and paint. Right. Um, It would be uh, okay. We walk through the project in the beginning. You know, day one, we walk through everything. um, And then I say, hey, let let me know when you guys are done with prep work. I want to come check it before I start putting any paint on. You know so we get through prep i go check it out okay this looks pretty good but i want you to fix this this and that you know before we start getting any paint on okay no problem right they get it done um, after we get first coat on hey once you guys get first coat on let me know i want to come check it out right we get first coat on then i see like man you guys spray patterns all fucked up or you know you've got all these crevices you're not getting any paint into i want you guys to back roll the next coat or, you know, catch these little cracks before you get on to the next code, yeah. whatever. Backroll?
1: You ain't paying me enough to fucking backroll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Look, I need it backrolled. What's it going to take to get you guys to backroll it? Right? You need 200 bucks more. Fine. I understand. Next time, plan to backroll because I want everything backrolled. I want these places looking good. All right. So now it's costing me 2200 bucks to do it, right? Um, so... Okay, then you know when we're when the body's done and we're gonna start working on trim, you know, let me know when the paint's done on the body. right Then I come out there, check it out again, go through whatever little things. Like you can manage a job close enough, like I have to go to that job five times in a week, right? once every day or four times in a week. But that little crew, as long as they become reliable enough, then I can start making money off of them. you know on that five thousand dollars job, maybe I make fifteen hundred bucks. You know, if I can get four of them in a week, uh, $6,000 in a week, you know, um, or if it's only one a week and I just keep this crew busy only, you know, I'm making 6,000 bucks a month, you know, that's covering my marketing expense, um, and giving me a couple thousand extra. And so you got to try to get loyal people. Um, but that's, that's the, where you start getting creative, you know, you start giving them bonuses or them gift cards or them tool allowances or whatever. I,
1: I, I'm, I'm not going to say that it's not possible in this area, but I just have zero faith in this area. Yeah. Um, but that's would probably imagine, because like, that's
0: how you see it. You know, yeah. like if you come in there with just like fresh eyes and what are the options, what's the opportunity? Like if you come in and it's just data only, that always wins out, you know, like there's a million corporations in your area that are doing just fine. You know, like even your Walmart there, they're running business and they're doing millions of dollars a month in business with the employees that you have in your area. You know, your Starbucks, they're hiring local people. They're not hiring people from like a different state to come in here and be reliable and be on time and follow directions. All those people live in your area, you know, so they're around. It's just, what's the motivation to get them to paint? Or, you know, how do you get painters to be motivated to be really reliable they all live there it's just you know yeah or how do you get painters yeah well look even if i live there uh, or if i moved there to start a business um i would probably run into the thing of i can't find enough good painters quick enough and so in yeah. that case i would probably uh build like a training facility you know, and then pay you 200 grand to just train people all day, every day for the rest of your life. Right. But Dude, you would turn would out, but you would turn out two, like 10, 10 new painters, but then you would turn out 10 new painters like every quarter, every three months, I'd have 10 new painters that are ready to go. I will you know, we get just motherfuckers pull people,
1: to take the diaper off.
0: Yeah. We just pull people from warehouse jobs, from fast food jobs, from server jobs, and you know let them know that hey if you can get to a level where you're managing a crew you're making whatever 1000 bucks a week 1200 bucks a week <laughs> and then make a giant business in Missouri and then franchise it and become a certer pro <laughs> <laughs> a,
1: wall, a walla pro oh hey we haven't talked yeah. about that live since we you we got the
0: oh the, fucking Walmart yeah yeah that's pretty crazy
1: so a few episodes ago and we've been conspiring for a minute and like we were joking around about walmart selling paint jobs and this started (laughs) as a joke and it's actually happening now
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's really hilarious because we went down a whole path of how walmart is going to take over the painting industry yeah um and now they're getting their feet wet. They've uh, joined with Angie's List, so they're basically taking their market and Angie's List market and kind of combining them for this like venture. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what it produces. I mean, Home Depot did it or does it? Lowe's does it? Lowe's is uh, their system. I think is called Porch, um, but they're hardly making a dent in the in the market. But they also don't promote it very much. You know, it's definitely not obvious if you go into a Lowe's or Home Depot that you could get painting done at your house. They do promote flooring, both of them, pretty heavily. Um, They do promote like window installation, door installation, stuff like that. I imagine the market for painting or the markup for painting is not very big and probably way too many headaches for them. That's probably what they've learned. Is it's like, man, we got to go back and fucking fix every single job. Uh, you know, we end up only making four hundred dollars on a paint job on average. So, yeah, they just don't I think
1: it. it's gonna be a huge nightmare for Walmart. Personally, yeah, like maybe. I, th- I think they have no fucking idea what they're getting into. Think about it for a second. Like everyone thinks they're a painter, dude. Everyone, yeah, every person you've ever hired that didn't know shit thought they were a painter. And yeah. a lot of people don't respect it and they, you know, Oh, Hey, we sell brushes. Like we can, we can roll out a wall. Like there's so much yeah. more that, that is involved with it, but I think it's going to be a nightmare mess for Walmart. And even, even if they, they end up hiring subs and they vest people and stuff, but think about like the CertaPro stuff or whatever, like, Hey, we're looking for qualified, you know, yeah. quality contractors. And then you like give them your name and your phone number and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, congratulations, you're certified. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. you've made it. And like, yeah. they don't know fucking shit about you, dude. Like, uh,
0: yeah, but they also sell franchises all over the country, you know, Certipro pro does yeah. it and they're competitors for almost all of us, wherever we live. There's some Certipro pro fucking franchise that's doing jobs that we would do. Right. Yeah. And they're doing, subcontractor model only. Uh, they pay super low rates. Um, I think it's like 30% maybe is what they pay subs. Yeah. But so,
1: the pro actually charges, you know, last I bid against them, they charge pretty yeah. fucking high.
0: Yeah. They charge similar to what I do. Um, and then they pay like 30%. So they have money to take care of touch-ups they have. And, and do they supply the material though. So in some cases, they'll pay 40% and you buy the material, but they supply the material, I think, is their model because they're also on a big group plan, which is all the franchises together uh, being a big buyer, you know, at a PPG. Oh, in terms shirt, of Williams. of
1: of that's how they get really competitive so, paint so, pricing. I see.
0: Yeah. So Alpha Painting buys $50,000 a year. Well, Pro buys $5 million a year. You know, yeah, I see. Yourself. So they just take their franchise yeah, so they, purchase power.
1: Yeah, yeah. So they they probably get really competitive pricing models on paint. um yeah. but of but there's still people that don't give a fuck about call insert or pro.
0: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and that, but that's where like when we talked about this before, there's going to be the mom and pop shops that still stay busy forever. You know, because people still value high quality. And craftsmanship yeah. and you know personal touch and all that but there's like Ooh. i don't know maybe 200. you know when i said when
1: i said uh maybe uh i was like there's no way that walmart would be able to take on a production project and put out like thousands of gallons a day and shit and just keep crazy deadlines and blah blah yeah. blah but what if like you know how fucking cheap builders are dude what if builders start using walmart painters and shit and they <laughs> actually just 100% get what they deserve you know what i mean yeah yeah and just that fucking <laughs> cross-eyed fucking sideways door rolling motherfuckers and shit yep. and just get some terrible terrible paint jobs and and people actually step back and think like well shit maybe maybe we should really start thinking about hiring and an actual
0: professional, you know? Well, but then that'll separate the, the good ones from the bad ones. Right. Then it's like, well, uh, Jim's construction, we know he doesn't use Walmart painters. You know, he uses custom guys, but his price is twice. As yeah. Much. If I buy a house yeah, through it, him, it costs me 600,000. If I buy a Walmart house, it's only 300,000, but it's it kind of shitty.
1: It could turn into a good thing. Yeah. Hey, I just yeah. seen that Elon Musk is, is, uh, Starting a company or whatever to build tiny homes that start at like fifty thousand dollars.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's if he's doing that company, but definitely they have the tiny homes, modular homes, and all that shit.
1: Yeah, they look like they're they're not pre built, but they're like they go assemble them on site or something.
0: Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. I don't know much about them. I, I, I've seen ads and stuff for them, and I I, I want to say like eighty k will get you a pretty nice one, but small, you know. Yeah,
1: but you can, have it, grand, for, but yeah, you can have it paid for. But
0: yeah, you can have it paid for. I
1: might, I might consider something like that.
0: Yeah. Now, are you talking about these ones that are like shipping container size?
1: They're pretty fucking small. I'd probably have to get two of them.
0: Yeah. Well, it depends on what size one. you're talking about. Yeah, cuz there's they have the modular which are like um you know, you can get a 1500 square foot, 2000 square foot version. But oh, really? then we're then but then there's like the mini homes which are like fucking a shipping container, you know, like yeah. 10 by 20 or something like that.
1: Yeah, I saw that the the tiny home ones were like 50 grand. Yeah. But then yeah. it, but but then they're talking about how they had uh, eight foot ceilings and like six foot windows and it looked, it looked fairly fancy, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, they look cool. Like if you put them on the lake then it's like sweet, you know, but if you're just like fucking in a regular neighborhood in a shipping container house. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I wouldn't give a fuck. Well, a lot of places do have like what, like HOA restrictions and stuff like that though. Yep. But, I would probably buy some land or whatever and then stick one of
0: those on it to where I'm out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So here, uh, one of my employees is like buying real estate and shit. He's been really smart with his money. Oh, and yeah. he's got a friend I, I think he's investing with, but they're buying property out like, I don't know, out in the sticks from here, a couple acres. And I guess if you put on um like a, a trailer that you don't have to get it permitted and all that stuff so you can like if you put a house on it you have to get it permitted and uh approved by the city and all that shit but if it's just a trailer you don't have to do any of the permitting based on the city because it's like a mobile trailer um yeah. so i guess that's pretty popular out there get like three acres and put a couple trailers on it like uh mm-hmm.
1: like drivable or are you talking like like double wide like, like towable
0: shit? yeah like towable trailers yeah, you don't have to like that. Drive. You
1: tow behind a truck.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, okay, yep. yeah. Yep, dude. I I don't. I've lived in a couple shitty trailers. I don't like living in trailers out here because our weather's so fucking extreme.
0: Oh yeah,
1: like microbursts and fucking sideways wind. You know what I mean? Fuck, yeah. Or sideways like hell and shit and rain sometimes, dude. And it's like yep. super super gnarly when shit like that's going on and you're in a tin can. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a fan of that shit. And yeah. then plus you look at like prices to buy a new trailer anyway. And it's like, dude, I might as well just
0: buy a damn house. Yeah. I know. They're crazy nowadays, man. Everything is crazy right now.
1: Wow. Uh, this scenario where, yeah, we were talking about switching companies. If I came and ran your company for one month. And if you came and ran my company for one month, what would transpire? (laughs) I would hope you'd pay my fucking taxes, but
0: (laughs) (laughs) maybe we'll see. Um, all right. So if I went to run your company, boy, I think early on, I mean, I would probably fuck things up because I wouldn't do them as quickly as you would. Um, but I would, I would focus on marketing and sales. Those would be my number one, and I would start interviewing people like crazy. That's the, I would. This can't would go without saying though, the like
1: the the last couple jobs we've been on have been long nightmares. By the way, yeah, which we're, well, we're not inherently used to, but
0: yeah, I get to go in after that then. But even yeah. some <laughs> of your jobs, like uh, even the types of houses, are totally different than I'm used to here. Right? Like here, we're fucking like six feet apart from the neighbor. You know, and you got yeah. a fence in between. So you've got three feet on either side of the fence, and then two or three story houses up. Um, so you can't put a boom in on the side of the house. Yours, you've got like, what's how tall is the one that you're working on now, or the exterior that you're getting ready to start? Fuck, dude. I don't.
1: I mean, from the from the ground to the peak, it's at least fifty foot. Yeah. But we're, <laughs> we're going to have to like reach all that stuff from the decks and then take some screens out to reach out and get outer portions yeah. of the porches and then use a lift to get to dog houses. I just realized, yeah. too, there's two more dog houses on the sides of this fucking house when I was uh, editing this video that I didn't realize. And I'm like, fuck!
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, like rewinding so, it? Ah, oh, shit
1: yeah oh fuck my life like and i don't think i can reach them from standing on the roof so i don't know what the fuck i'm gonna do i i'm gonna i think attempt to run a rope grab and tie off from the ground run up pull the rope grab across the center doghouse and use that as a lever to come down and rappel off the fucking side
0: yeah that's crazy uh, yeah. My main things would be marketing and interviewing. I would be. I would have to. Well, you've got two guys right now, right? So that's enough to at least get shit uh, done.
1: I don't know if this other guy's really. I. I, I don't even know. If, like he didn't. He had some shit going on. He didn't show up today, so I don't know. I'm not gonna count him in. Yeah. All right. So it's just me. I think we're gonna be one back guy. to me and Jeremiah. Yep. Okay. But so Jeremiah is complete. One guy jeremiah is completely self-sustaining because he's fucking alpha certified so
0: yeah all right well i i can't run a job with one guy so i would have to hire somebody immediately um and then it would be marketing and hiring that's those are the main two things i'd focus on i would get the business to just just keep maintaining and then hiring and marketing as soon as Possible. By the
1: way, you don't have much in the bank accounts to play with. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of free ads you could do.
0: <laughs> Lots of free ads you could do. You could try poaching if it comes down to it. But yeah, anyhow. What about my business? We've got uh, around 20 guys and two subs. Okay. And a salesperson. It,
1: yeah. You'd probably, I mean, first off, like right when you got back, you'd probably come back to... Some guys that got fired, right off the bat. <laughs> yeah. Maybe some fucking some fines or something from like some type of yeah. organization, you know, that uh, deals in fucking like humanity, humanitarian yeah. issues.
0: Yeah, I broke yeah, some I'd probably type be of law. Sued. Yeah, I'd probably yeah. be getting sued by employees. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: I might, yeah, I might have a new bike, happy. you know.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no.
1: You you get back, and I'm like, "Hey, man, you got a new bike?" <laughs> Ride
0: right off. Yeah, I. Uh, you would probably have to whip my guys into shape a little bit.
1: Now, if we were being serious, dude, like if I were to like legit, if I were to come in and like you hired me as a, like a director of field operations for one, just to be completely honest, I would be fucking a hundred percent scared that I would disappoint you. You know what I mean? (laughs) So I would be like over fucking thinking and overdoing everything. But I think essentially like if somebody from the outside comes into a company like that, Um, you can't just fucking go in and just start barking orders and this and that. Like, dude, I would probably like, if I legit actually came to work for you and I was going to manage your shit, I would actually go work in the field with the guys for like two months before any of them even know, knew what was going to be happening. And I would bust ass and I would fucking prove myself to all the guys first. And I would spend a good two months doing that before, that issue ever got brought to light that, you know, that I was going to be running the shit, but, um, I agree with that. That's good. You know, we would, uh, you know, I just slowly work things over. Like, uh, you know, it's, it's all about, uh, you know, the guys being malleable. Like you can't, you can't just come in and fucking take shit over without, you know, I mean, you can, (laughs) you you know i i've i've ran shit in the past out of fear but that's not you know you're not building longevity with guys that way so yeah like i would have to go in and and let everybody beat me up and then slowly start uh surpassing what they thought was possible and gaining their trust and shit yep and then you know once that once you you know reach that stage which would take a couple months then slowly start reorganizing things and structuring things and and you know showing what is what is actually possible
0: yeah yeah i agree with that that's for sure the right move go in and show them you know what you're doing first show them you can be trusted show them you can teach them a thing or two help them out <clears throat> i would probably but go it, into it, your company and i, be I like, wouldn't even do that down. dude
1: i wouldn't go in I, you, you cannot go in at all and, and, and just start being like, Hey man, why don't you do it like this? Why don't you do, yeah, yeah, yeah. you just go in and you do what they want. And then,
0: yeah.
1: you know, like it's going to take months because the, the guy's going to notice like, damn, dude, you see how fast he got that shit done. You're going to do everything yeah. the way they do it, the way they want. Yeah. And then maybe, you know, once the time is right, like. Hey, I'm going to have Aaron do this job or whatever. And then, yep. you know, have a couple key guys come witness how it all goes down. And then it kind of just, you have to branch it out from there because it's a fucking, yep. it's a political and a sociological game. You know what I mean? Yep.
0: Yep. So the way that I do it now, if I ever go into a job site to work um, and every now and then I do, um, I did on that night job recently. Um, <clears throat> I treat it the same way. It's like, Hey, Hey, to my foreman, you know, you tell me what to work on or whatever you want me to do. I'll do it. You know, if you want to give me a shitty job, if you want to give me whatever, like I'm here to work. Um, and it's for that same reason. It's like, all right. Yeah. Like I went on that night job and I had to do like by far the shittiest job just cause it was the hardest. It was going to take the longest. Um, but I go there and fucking spend seven hours on a fucking 28 foot extension liner working around duct work. But I get the job done in one night, you know. And the guys are stoked. They don't have to do it. I earn some respect because it's fucking hard work. You know, my shirt's soaked because uh, it's shitty work all night. Um, Boost morale a lot. Um, gets me some respect points. Um, and yeah, it's the same deal. It's like, you know, I don't need to come in and boss everyone around, but I'm a fast painter. Um, I know how to work my way around a job site. So put me on something you need to get done and I'll get it done. Yeah. But yeah, definitely having the respect of whomever you're going to be in charge of is like such a big thing, such a big thing for company culture. I think that's probably something that a lot of people struggle with when they're, um, not good painters, but they're business owner. they're painting business owners is probably earning respect of people. Like all of my guys right now know that if I, tell them to do something differently that I'm not just fucking like talking out of nowhere. You know, like I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm doing. I know how to do this thing really well. I know how to explain it really well. Like I know the ins and outs of it. So it's pretty easy for me to get people to buy in when I'm giving feedback. If I didn't know, like if Dane, my estimator was on a job site trying to give this feedback, they'd be like, fuck off you know? yeah, exactly. Like when I brought in, I brought in uh, a guy that worked for me for a year that was uh, basically like covering operations for the company and nobody fucking liked him. Nobody would respect him. Nobody would listen to him unless I got involved. You know, it was like, we we're doing the clocking in and clocking out now, you know, like doing all these professionalized ways of doing business or, or being employee employer relationship. And Everybody hated him, you know, it was just, and it wasn't because he's was like a bad person or anything. It's just, who the fuck is this guy coming in and giving us orders, you yeah. know? But if I got involved and said, Hey, look, this is why he's giving you this order. This is why we need to do it. This is why I need you guys on board. You know, and it's like, yeah. all right, fine. That, we'll do but
1: it. The, the reason I said it like that is because there's, there's nothing that I could come in to your business for if we were to swap for a month and make anything better. You know what I'm saying? Like your guys. No, that's not
0: true, though. That's not true, though. So, like, my operations like on job sites is not very clean at all. And when I say clean, I mean it's not very smooth. It's not very efficient. Yeah. But, it's efficient enough, but, but it's not it as long way to go. I
1: couldn't technically come in. And yes, I could come in and be like, hey, this is the deal. It's like, I'm fucking here to, we're going to get shit cleaned up and we're going to reorganize, we're going to restructure you know process and and culture and all that 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 fucking wouldn't that your guys wouldn't go for that like it would have to yeah. be and like if i were to come in and actually run logistics like i said it would be it would probably take me 2 to 3 months to build their trust and yeah. you would not you would not be allowed to tell them what's happening i would be in the trenches working with them and and playing the politics and building their trust and shit like that and then you know, then you would have to ask them, hey, I was thinking about, you know, yada yada, and the, the question would pop up, but it'd have to happen naturally. Like it wouldn't it wouldn't be able to be a thing from the start, you know what I'm saying?
0: Well, sure, but I would hire a project manager to do that role. And that's that's gonna be my next big hire as a project manager exactly for that. Um and I am gonna tell them up front, and it is gonna be most yeah, likely but, somebody that doesn't but the have the thing experience. with a
1: project manager like you were talking about hiring somebody that you could hire a project manager without field experience so yeah like he's just going to like hey do this and that or or help you keep track of jobs and and just increase your efficiency and and help you keep you know tabs on on what's going on but he's never going to be able to restructure something and and increase motivation and build
0: morale and retrain and restructure. You know what I'm saying? Well, he could do all those things, mostly on his own. Some of them, he would need help. You would just be able to do it with no help. So you can increase morale um, with bonuses, with parties, with lunches, with buying the team lunches, with, you know, running errands for them. Like there's ways to build morale without being on site with them. Your way would be the better way. Your way would be the best way. Can
1: you really do that though? When the guys know
0: in the back of their head that you don't know what the fuck you're talking about? Uh, I think as long as he's being actually valuable to them, then yes. Like if, um, you know, if, if I were in that role as like project manager, and I were working for this new company, I would want to figure out ways to like reward the team, maybe time off early, uh, maybe a, a lunch every now and then, maybe a whatever. I would want to be helpful to them. So there definitely would be ways. I don't I don't think it's the same for everybody. And I think some crews would not even take to it. Um, but, you know, if it's a hot day and I bring the crew like a bunch of Gatorades and waters and nice an chest like, all right. That's pretty cool. Thank you. Or if I show up at a job at fourth, I know a job is running late and the guys have to stay a li- little bit later. If I show up at like four 30 and stay till six 30, helping them clean up and fucking load up ladders and get trash out of there and all that stuff, like that, that goes somewhere, you know, it's not nothing. But like I said, your way would be the best way. If you could do it from within, like the, I must've like heard this in church or something like that before, but um, to lead with from within rather than lead from without, right? Like you want to be kind of in the trenches with them if possible and lead that way. Yeah. If you're leading without getting in the trenches at all, it's going to be harder, harder to get buy-in, harder to get people to trust you. Not impossible, but harder to do it that way. So your way would be better. But then if I'm going to hire for that position, to get the best possible uh, thing that I can out of it, I got to wait until I find someone like you to grow, you know, how fucking long is that going to take me? You know, if I'm interviewing and putting ads out, how long am I going to have to wait to find this person that can manage my company on, on the field side of things. It's gonna take me forever. Like I might, I've never come across that person so far. And I've been doing this for 20 years. Yeah. You know, Like, am I going to wait another 20 or am I going to find somebody that's a good manager that can be really well organized, that is creative and, and team building in, uh, you know, creating company culture or maintaining culture, you know, that's the person I need because I can get that person next week, you know, or next month. And then I can get more of those people as the company grows. Yeah. But
1: that, that person is all he would always have to be technically subservient to your actual field supervisors. You see what I'm saying?
0: To some extent, but like to the foreman, but there's a line where it's like, um, you know, for foreman, if you're not going to respect this person, then you got to go, this person's going to help us build this company. This person is getting more money for you. This person is making your life easier. Like, you know, you don't have to be, buddy, buddy with this person, but you do have to respect them. They're here to work for you. They're here to work for me. They're here to build the company, you know, like these are all things that are going to be benefits to you. Um, and like I said, you don't have to be buddy, buddy with them, but use them. They're here to make your life easier. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, I, I don't know, maybe I'm just different, but I just think that, I think that could work if, if, you know, you already had a decent culture, which it seems like you don't, you don't have to yeah. deal with drama and stuff like that. And you keep drama out of the business and stuff. But mm-hmm. I think maybe once the door closes, guys will be like, you know,
0: fuck that guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, like- 100, for sure. hundred <laughs> percent. But they probably do that about me now. Yeah. You know, like it's not, it's, it is what it is. Like I, I don't care about that it's so like, much because people are going to talk like my, my whole crew still acts like high school kids when it comes to rumors and shit like that. Right. Yeah. But it doesn't fucking matter to me. Like I'd tell all of them, like, look, if you if you hear something, you want the true version, come talk to me. I am not hiding anything. You know, like if you have a question about anything, why I did something, why I didn't do something, no problem. Come ask me. Yeah. Um, I'm never gonna be able to stop the the talking and the chatter and all that, you know? And maybe some of them don't I don't I don't think any of them don't like me. Maybe some of them think I'm a dick, you know? Um yeah. but I don't know. You have to have some of that there. So
1: yeah, like loyalty is not directly built out of like respect. Sometimes there has to be a little bit of fear there, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, they all know I'm honest and they all know I'm fair. You know, they all know that no matter what, at the end of the day, like if they're doing something that's putting themselves in a good position, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be an asshole for no reason ever. You know, I'm not going to come down on them for no reason ever. If I do ever come down on someone, it's because they really fucked up.
1: Yeah. Like, dude, back in the day, like, with the way I came up, like, if you fucked something up or, or you know, something went wrong, like, that shit got taken out of your check, dude.
0: Yeah, you know? I know. You can't like, do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, you can't do that now. And, so, I
1: mean, there's an example but, of fear, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, like, yeah. And, and I've earned respect wherever I've had a chance to, right? Like I've had my guys backs on issues with clients, you know, when shit has come up with clients, like my guys know if they're on a difficult project, then they're like, Hey, can you come over here? This client's like fucking outside all day long, watching us, asking us questions, then I'll come take care of it. You know? Cause they can't really be like, Hey, please stop following us around the house. You know, they can't say that to a client, but I can go there and say, Look, you guys are out here asking my guys questions all day long. They just need to get busy, right? Like you guys got to give some space. If you have questions, call me, blow my phone up all day if you want to, but you got to let these guys work. You know, if you have questions and we need to address something, no problem. So they know I'll have the uncomfortable conversations They they know a hundred percent. I have their back. They've all seen me have conversations with clients on site. um, Whether it's, you know, something we damaged or an issue that came up. You know, even if it's like a client issue, they know I'm not the type of guy that's just going to back down off of everything, you know? So through all those little things over time, there's like a certain level of respect that they have to give me. um, But as far as liking me or, um, you know, like the day-to-day little shit talking, you know, if someone's upset about something I did or a conversation I had with them, it is what it is. They're going to talk to people about it and not much I can do about it yeah
1: well, I'm just like the what the what I was talking about was just figuring out a way to come in to where there's not like this huge mutiny, you know yeah <laughs> like, <laughs>
0: that's that's real i mean that's yeah. something where um yeah, I mean, you have to be like for sure, there's other companies around me to where they could all handle a crew or two, you know. So if all yeah. my guys joined together and we're like, fuck this, let's let's all bounce, they could find yeah. jobs pretty quickly, you know? <laughs> and it'd be like, yeah. oh, shit. <laughs> so you would come over here and like in the first week, you'd be like, uh, John, <laughs> you're going to have to come back here. <laughs> you yeah. have no more employees. <laughs> 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 yeah. I went too far. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's returning calls. Nobody showed up to the job site. Yeah. Yeah. Billy shit his pants. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Okay. So next time, well, we'll figure it out. I think we're going to try and have Sam on again soon. Um, But one that we definitely need to hit on is our sales process, our psychology, how we're writing up our estimates, how we're presenting them, all that stuff. Cool. All right. We're out of here. See ya. as always please like our youtube page give us five star only reviews on all podcast platforms if you have questions or comments send them over to hello at paintsniffers.com or on instagram at paint underscore sniffers
1: you can also watch the video version of the podcast on the alpha painting youtube page go to playlists and it will be filed under paint sniffer podcast via youtube you can write into qa at paintsniffer.com
0: thank you for listening to paint sniffer podcast